the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a Monday. I got to tell you that it amazes me that the President of the United States says something and, uh, number one, that MSNBC has moveon.org on their show as though they're going to give you any kind of objective statements. Moveon.org is a leftist organization that will have nothing good to say about the President of the United States. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And will be as over over the top as they can possibly be. And of course, this whole thing about the president who tweeted out about uh, Baltimore, that it was far worse and more dangerous than the southern border. Uh, I just, look, I ask you, go go on uh, some of the uh, websites, legitimate websites on the, the internet. And uh, just uh, search out Baltimore and about rats and rodents and things of that nature. And you're going to be stunned at what you're going to find. It's a problem that they have. They got the same problem in New York City. You got a bad case of, of rats and stuff. They got a whole, they got a whole uh, part of their city government that that's all they deal with is uh, in, infestations like that. With all that said, the Democrats get all upset about this is because who controls the major metropolitan areas in this country? And if you guessed Democrats, give yourself a gold star. Primarily in the Northeast, though, is what we're talking about, right? Well, sure, a lot of them. A lot of them. Northeast. Yeah, a lot of bad, bad things up there. I mean... We only got to go a couple years back to the problems they ha- they were having also in Baltimore. If we all re- can uh, uh, think about that and the problems they had up there and the people were attacking people coming out of the Baltimore Orioles baseball games and stuff. You remember all that, Russ? Oh, yeah, I remember it. Yeah. How soon people tend to forget about this. Take a look at Detroit, Michigan. Look how nice that city is. Har, har. I can't uh, can't laugh about it, to be honest. I remember when Detroit was a great city. Not any longer. I remember when Gary, Indiana, was a great city. Not any longer. And we can go on and on and on and lay, out the, lay it all out. Democrats got completely in control, and uh, bad things began to happen. Things started spiraling downward. Uh, Chicago was never the city after, you know, the boss died. Never again was the city that it uh, had been. And even under the boss, it had a lot of problems. Now, what did the president say about uh, Baltimore? He said that Cummings... Sen- or, uh, Congressman Cummings District 
is as a disgusting rat and rodent infested mess. If he spent more time in Baltimore, maybe he could help clean up this very dangerous and filthy place. And he called for an investigation into why Baltimore received so much federal funding. Jean-Pierre from MoveOn.org said Trump is putting out, in his his uh, statement, out toxic racism. Look, if it was racist at all, it's toxic, okay? Racism, uh, racism does not have a pure form. So it's always toxic. I don't believe that the president's being racist here. I think he's pointing something out, and uh, people don't like it, and because... Uh, People of color are involved in it. Now it's racist. And it's got to be called out, uh, they said. She argued Cummings is, quote, everything Trump is not, and Trump is threatened by Cummings. Donald Trump put his hand on the Bible and took the oath of the presidency to be a president for all of us, she said. Okay, so let's, let's talk about that statement. Does that mean if he's going to be a president for all of us that he's supposed to not point out inadequacies that there might be in certain parts of America and bring this out so perhaps something positive would come out of it? Look, we've watched people and politicians uh, do the same stuff over and over and over again in many of our major metropolitan areas and uh, it's gotten worse it's not gotten better in most of them you go to metropolitan areas they got a lot of problems a lot of problems that's why a lot of people live in the suburbs away from downtown That's exactly the reason. That's why people went to the suburbs. They want to escape. You want to talk toxic? Let me tell you what. You go go downtown in parts of Chicago, it's toxic. People don't even want to go in those areas. People of any color don't want to go in those areas. Because they're death traps. I just say, I get fed up with this stuff Russ. don't you get fed up with it somebody says something truthful and people it's what we talked about remember friday when we were on and and we were talking about this exact specific thing that you can't sit down and have a discussion about this because as soon as you start making clear statements about it you're a racist you're a racist it's exactly right drives you crazy They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with it. They just want to point fingers and call you names. And there's things that have to be taken care of. I saw an article. Who was it? I'll find it during uh, the break. uh, When we take our first break, I'll be looking it up. And uh, take a look at it closely. And it's talking about, and it's been a it's been an ongoing story in Baltimore about the problems they got with rats. It's not; it's nothing new. These other inner city infrastructure problems that they have. I mean, I can understand, 
you know, because I've I've been in I've worked in cities. I've worked in Chicago. I've worked in Dallas. I've worked over in uh, uh, other other cities as well. Indianapolis, for instance, Minneapolis and some things that are happening in cities are because, for instance, like sewers and things of that nature are starting to fall apart. That was a uh, a, a big issue for Indianapolis back in the, the late 90s and early on into the 2000s. And uh, new technologies came up that they went in and they fixed the sewers and things that were literally collapsing uh, in the city. But they shouldn't have had to, have to wait that long. Had people on my show when I was in Indianapolis talking about how they always kicked the can down the the road and started new programs that did nothing. Zip. Helped helped a few uh, thousand people maybe. Didn't help the city uh, in general. And that's a problem. That's a serious problem. But don't try to bring it up. Don't say anything about it because if you do, uh, like I said, and and, and Russ uh, understands because we talked about it. We're trying to get this lady on to talk about it. Uh, bottom line, it uh, causes, uh, you know, they're going to call you racist all the time. They don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it, but not. Uh, by the way, uh, they got a couple of uh, rat stories on my Facebook page now, I guess, from 101.1 FM. You can go read those. I mean, it's it's not like the president made this up. Not at all. Okay, when we come back, I'll see if I can find some of those the rat stories for you and uh, give you some information about it. I, I dare say we need to go out and just find everything wrong with every corner, nook, and cranny of our country and bring it to light. Put light on everything and watch the cockroaches run. Well, and... And it's because of politicians, Russ. You know, they've, they're have they getting millions upon billions of dollars for these cities and stuff. they call that graft at one point? Oh, yeah. A lot of it is that. And the bottom line is a lot of everybody's got their uh, palms greased and a lot of that money's sticking to all those palms. And now they're, and they're not fixing the things that they need to fix. You know, I mean, you can say rat infested. You can say drug infested it. There's a lot of bad things going on in the inner cities of America. What was it in the Jersey Shore when they were having all the needles wash up on the shore? Dude, I rest my case. I mean, seriously, take a look at San Francisco. Take a look at L.A. right now with all the homelessness they've got. People defecating in the streets, peeing on buildings, uh, walking around hardly without any clothes on and things. Uh, they got typhoid, police officers getting typhoid because they got to go down in those areas. Come on. Let's, you know, quit sugarcoating all this crap. And don't tell me it's about more money. It's not about more money. They've had trillions of dollars to fix this stuff. They don't fix it. They take the money for themselves. Dave Ellswick Show. We'll Take a break. We'll be back. All right. So it was the very own Baltimore Sun. All right. This is the paper after uh, the president's tweets who had a uh, op-ed uh, later in the day that simultaneously waved off the city's rat problem and called Trump a rat. 
quote, better to have a few rats than to be one, unquote, blared the headline. But let's go back to some earlier reports from the Baltimore Sun that talked about the rat problem actually being a lot more extensive than the editorial board uh, implied. In April of this year, the same editorial board published another op-ed titled, quote, Baltimore's Perpetual Trash Problem. And what did they say? Among other issues, the article detailed some of the problems that stemmed from huge piles of trash and that it increased rodent infestations among them. Reading directly from the article, yet here we are again in a mess of a city. Food containers, balled-up clothes, paper, banana peels, plastic bags, and tons of other pieces of litter line the shoulders of roads, pile up in alleys, and are strewn across fields and yards. Not only is it unsightly and contributes to a rodent problem, but it can create a glum and gloomy feel in a time when the city is already facing self-esteem issues because of high crime and the scandal surrounding the University of Maryland medical system and Mayor Catherine Pugh, who's now on an indefinite leave, and her healthy Holly books. Now, if you don't know anything about that, Google it. All right, there's plenty for you to read. In September of 2018, the Baltimore Sun quoted then-Mayor Catherine Pugh as saying that the problem was so extensive that her words, not mine, not the president's, quote, you can smell the rats, unquote. In July 2018, video of Baltimore's Northeast Market showed rats inside within a week of a similar problem being exposed at Lexington Market, forcing the market to close down. So many rats, they had to close it down. In 2018, assessment from Orkin, the pest control company listed Baltimore as the ninth rattiest city in the United States. Problem was so far reaching that, quote, rat film, unquote, a documentary based on Baltimore's constant battle with the prolific rodents, premiered at a local film festival in 2017 and aired on public television in 2018. Where were all the Democrats yelling racist at that time? The Baltimore Sun, by the way, covered the PBS premiere of that. Their words, not mine here. Rat film, a documentary that takes the decades-long fight waged against Baltimore's rat population and uses it as a lens through which to look at how the city has addressed the myriad social issues over the decades airs tonight on PBS. So here's the key. When the president criticized Cummings and claimed that Baltimore was rodent infested and critics were quick to call his tweets offensive and even racist, arguing that he only used the term infested when he was speaking of black and brown people is BS. The Baltimore Sun has used the same kind of words. Documentaries have used the same kind of words. Orkin has said they're the ninth most rat-infested city in the United States. I'd like to see who the other eight are before them. 
And the bottom line is this. Politicians get a gazillion dollars every year for these cities, and they don't change anything. It's that simple. It's not hard to figure out. Just isn't. Mick Volvaney made a statement about this, uh, and it's cut number five there, uh, Russ, cut number five. Here's what he had to say about what the president said. Has tweeted 13 times in the past 24 hours about Congressman Elijah Cummings. I want to read the first tweet. He said, Why is so much money sent to the Elijah Cummings district when it's considered the worst run and most dangerous anywhere in the United States? No human being would want to live there. Where's all the money going? How much is stolen? Investigate immediately. What is the objective of this? Uh, to push back against what the president sees as inaccuracies, lies about uh, what Mr. Cummings said this week. In the Oversight Committee about the border. If you go on the internet, you can find the exchange where Elijah Cummings said that children were, were sitting in their own feces at the border. That's wrong. In fact, it's misleadingly wrong. It, it's the type of thing that really breaks down a civilized debate about how to address the, uh, the, the crisis at the border. And the president didn't like it. Does the president speak hyperbolically? Absolutely. Have we seen this type of, of reaction from him before? Yes. And you will again because he pushes back, he fights back when he feels like he's attacked. And what, what Mr. Cummings said this week was wrong. So is there an investigation being launched? Into? The president says investigate this corrupt mess immediately. Oh, no, he's calling on Congress to do it. Congress over, does oversight. So my guess is no, because Mr. Cummings is in charge of the oversight committee. Keep in mind, I think, I think Maryland is the richest state on a per capita or per household basis in the nation, yet they have real abject poverty in, in Baltimore. I think the president wants folks to, to know that, look, instead of dealing with the, those issues, Mr. Cummings is spending all of his time on this impeachment inquiry, uh, which is we all know is going nowhere. So it's the, the Democrats have a chance to actually focus on things that matter. Instead, they're working on scandal. And I think the president is doing everything he can to highlight that. Well, you know, though, that this is a majority black district. And mm -hmm. when the president calls it rat infested, he says no human being would live there. Do you understand that that is offensive to the Americans who do live there? I understand that everything that Donald Trump says is offensive to some people. Keep in mind, uh, about two weeks ago, the president said things that were critical of AOC and her squad and was immediately accused of being a racist. A couple days later, Nancy Pelosi said some things critical of that same group of people, and she was defended by the media and by folks on the left for not being racist. When Donald Trump... No human being would want to live there. When Donald Trump attacks this people... This is being perceived as racist. Do you understand why? I understand why, but that doesn't mean that it's racist. The president is pushing back against what he sees as wrong. It's how he's done in the past, and he'll continue to do it in the future. So you think this is just hyperbolic? I absolutely do. And I hope the folks actually pay attention to it and realize what Democrats in Congress are doing. Instead of helping people back home, they're focusing on scandal in Washington, D.C., which is the exact opposite of what they said they would do when they ran for election in 2018. There you go. You can call whatever you want to racist. But if there's truth to it, do something about it. And I like that the president said, get with it. You know, Congress, you can clear clean this stuff up if you go in and clean it up. They're not going to do it. Why would anybody – look, Cummings is the head of this uh, oversight committee. Why – if anybody comes out and questions him now, what's the first thing they're going to say, Russ? Racist. There you go. And that's why nobody says it. They've been doing this since the 70s. 
I can tell you that because I went back. I was doing some stories for the Chicago Sun back in the day, and we were looking into Operation Breadbasket, which if you go back and read about it now, you find out how corrupt it really was. And when we were writing the stories, the news stories about it, we were called racist because you can use that brush to paint people, and then people have to back off because everybody looks at you like, you're no good, you're disgusting, just a racist. News is next. All right, back with you. Russ looked up. So sign of a good producer here. Russ looked up for me. Uh, they note Orkin called Baltimore the ninth most infested city. Okay, so I asked what were the top ten. Number ten was what? That was Denver, right? Number ten was Denver. Okay, number so number nine, Baltimore. Okay. Number eight, Cleveland, where we went for the Republican National Convention. Right. Number seven, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Been there a lot. Number six, the war zone, Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. Number five, San Francisco. Yeah. Number four, of course, it is a house full of rats, Washington, (laughs) D.C. Number three, New York, as I expected. Number two, Los Angeles. And number one, Chicago. Yay, Chi-Town, of course. All right. Now, you, everybody tell me, you know how much money is spent on these cities. You have seen the billions upon billions of dollars they get. Why can't they keep their cities clean? Why, why can't they do it? They can't. Huge homeless populations. Everywhere. For sure in San Francisco and in L.A. They're just... Un, un, under the gun about that right now why not go live on the beach when you can yeah, well they live downtown i mean the thing that amazes me is and it's like you said look in la you walk amongst where all these homeless people are and they there's needles everywhere duh that should give you a pretty good idea perhaps of what's causing this uh, you've got people defecating wherever they want, people peeing wherever they want, and it's just disgusting. They throw their garbage down, the garbage piles up around there. Like I said, the cops go down there. They get hepatitis. They've had typhoid. Those are those are third world country diseases, folks, that are in the streets of one of the supposedly greatest cities of uh, America in L.A. or in San Francisco. Up in Hollywood. Hollywood's a cesspool, too. Just saying. It is what it is. And the plague the, is on the rise in these cities again. Yeah, plague. That's very good point. We're talking about the Black Death. Now, we got ways of of uh, fighting against it, but they don't go in and clean this crap up anymore. You, you have a scary. You got a constitutional right to live like that. Go ahead. Scary is number 49 in the nation. Little Rock? Negative. Oh. Just to the east of us. Oh, Memphis? Memphis. Yeah. 
doesn't that doesn't surprise me either. Doesn't number, surprise me at all. Uh, number twelve, major metropolitan area to the south of us, mm. southwest to be exact. Dallas, Fort Worth, and Dallas. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me either. I'm just saying. It's it's indicative of all the major metropolitan areas, and you got to ask why. And guess what? It's not because they're not getting enough money. They're getting plenty of money. They get plenty of money from the, the government, which is of the people. Then they get plenty of money from their city governments after they, you know, take the money of their citizens and their states. You're getting plenty of money. What's going on with all that money? Nobody's asking the pertinent questions, folks. Nobody's following the money because the media doesn't want anybody to know the god-awful truth about this. And that is, these, a lot of these cities, if not all of these cities, are corrupt. You ask questions about Little Rock at times. Remember when Stodel was Stodel was mayor and he wanted an extra uh, amount of money, raised taxes, said he's going to uh, hire X amount more police officers. Russ, did he did he hire all those police officers? Uh, nope. Negatory. And the next time they'll want a tax increase, I can tell you one of the things that they'll point and say that they need. They need the money for police and fire and EMTs. Problem is, don't expect that money to end up where they say it's going to end up at. In his pocket. It's going to end up where they think it's got to go to get your vote so you keep getting reelected. In his pocket. It's amazing. Yeah, not Stodalas anymore. We got a new mayor. We got to get him on the air. We got to get Frank Scott to come in. Mayor of Little Rock, sit down and talk to us. Tell us what he's uh, thinking. I mean, he he gained some positives with me when he made them. And I know there's some of you going to disagree with me and you think that I'm out of my mind about it. But the whole thing about War Memorial and Hind, uh, Hindman uh, golf courses, it was time to close them down. They were losing Buku's amount of money. You just can't keep running things at a loss. You shouldn't be in the in the habit of running them anyway. If somebody won't buy them and run them as a business with free enterprise, that a city for sure shouldn't be doing it. There's no money in it. That's the way it is. Hey, Applied Research Center of Arkansas, they got a bunch of current studies going on. Low testosterone, kidney stones, pediatric IBS, uh, constipation, they got ulcerative colitis, they got diabetes, GERD, endometriosis, bunions, baby formula. They got a bunch of stuff they're studying that they want to get this stuff out on the market. To do that, it has to be tested, and they need you for some of these tests. Not going not gonna to do anything to you, not going to hurt you in any way, probably help you. But you get the drugs for free or you get sugar pill for free, either one. Whichever one it is that you're going to get, you get it for free. And you get a stipend for taking uh, part in, the, in these uh, studies. 
All you have to do is go to their website. You can look at the studies. You can look at what you need to qualify. Then you can get a hold of them, say that you're interested, and see if you can get into them. ARCArkansas.com is their website. ARCArkansas.com, 501-954-7822 is their phone number. Let me give that to you again, 501-954-7822. But I believe that the... uh, Website's the best place to go, arcarkansas.com. That's Applied Research Center of Arkansas. Let me, I got to ask you a question real quick, Russ, before I tell people about Lucas and what he's up to. What do you think is the 2019 budget for Baltimore? I'd say somewhere around $2.6 billion. Very close. You're very, very close. $2.9 billion operating budget. Off by $300 million, I guess. Yeah. That's a drop in the bucket. That's right. $2.9 billion. That's a 3.4% increase over 2018. Budget Director Bob uh, Sanami said the city has a $33 million surplus thanks to, uh, thanks to higher than anticipated revenues and slightly lower spending they than forecast. they got a forecast. surplus. What are they doing about their rat problem? Yeah, right that, 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 that's true. The money will be divided between spending on information technology upgrades, the demolition of vacant houses, probably a good idea, uh, fixing up city-owned buildings and renovating public markets. Just saying. Two, information technology. Hmm. Two point we heard nine. Investing in information technology. Yeah. Two point nine billion. Do you realize the whole state budget of Arkansas just in the money that they bring in is three point five. Six you know, six hundred million dollars more than what they spend in just the city of Baltimore. Incredible. Incredible. Hey, you got us 96% chance. This really uh, blew me away when I first uh, began reading this. A 96% chance of losing $111,000 in Social Security benefits. According to new research in Bloomberg, 96% of Americans lose $111,000 in Social Security benefits because they take their benefits at the wrong time. Learn how you can avoid this by heading to an educational workshop called Maximizing Social Security with David Lucas. It's happening here in Little Rock. Two workshops in August, registration just $20, and there's only room for 32 people. And I've been talking about this long enough that I know it's a lot smaller than that now. In fact, I'll uh, I'll get a hold of Dave and find out where we're at now as far as number of seats available. Uh, if you've saved $300,000, register now by calling 501-653-6690. This workshop will reveal the little-known strategies that could help you wring every nickel out of your benefits that are rightfully yours. Call 501-653-6690. 501-653-6690. And just sitting here reading this stuff about Baltimore. The administration and the mayor submitted the budget uh, to the Board of Estimates. The mayor who controls the board did not attend the meeting because she is being treated for pneumonia at John Hopkins, it says, uh, at the time this was written. Uh, the budget that's being proposed is a good budget. Here's what's planned. Baltimore Police Department would see its budget increase 
$20 million to $530 million, a 4% jump. The proposal significantly reorganizes how the department budget is structured, taking almost $90 million out of patrol and assigning it to other functions. That's what you want to do. Take people off the streets. Uh, he went on to say the changes are being made because much of the money labeled as patrol in the current budget was for spending not related to deploying frontline officers. Hmm. Something to think about, huh? Semantics, not meaning, words not meaning what you're saying, money being spent hand over fist, not going where they're trying to say it's going. A new union contract with police officers is forecast to be cost neutral. Raises and incentive payments in the contract are expected to cost $5 million in the coming year, but a change to the patrol deployment schedule should save $5 million in overtime. Uh, They're going to get uh, another $400,000 to hire four crime lab technicians to work on fentanyl cases, helping track down dealers of the lethal opioid. The mayor's office would see its budget increase to $14.7 billion. That's an 18% increase. She'd gain five new staff for a total of 83 people under her. The city plans to increase the current 95 red light and 75 speed cameras to 100 of each. The budget includes $15 million in demolition funds, an increase of $5 million as the city launches an ambitious plan to tear down more than 2,000 vacant houses by next summer. It includes a first payment of $15 million into the Affordable Housing Trust Fund and $13 million for the Children and Youth Fund. The independently run and largely state-funded city school system would get a $375.6 million in financial support, an increase of $3 million. That includes the last uh, $38.5 million chunk of aid the mayor pledged three years ago to help the schools until a new state budget formula was developed. The Baltimore Office of Promotion and the Arts gets uh, $500,000 to be used in part to market the Preakness uh, and... Uh, because they're fighting to, to hold the second jewel of horse racing's triple crown in the city. The budget includes $634 million for capital projects. It's a breakdown of how they're spending uh, their money. Notice I didn't say rats in any of it. Hmm. Anyway. Didn't, they don't want to kill themselves. It'd be suicide. I guess. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good, Russ. All right. So uh, just, you know, this whole thing of, of how they're shooting at the president is ridiculous because, you know what? All he's doing, he's telling the truth. He's telling he's telling the truth. That's all he's doing. And they don't they don't want you to know. And these other cities don't want you to know. I bet you if you went to the, those other cities, those Ted cities, Denver and uh, over there in um, L.A. and San Francisco and Detroit and Chicago. I bet you all of their major newspapers have written a ton of articles about rodent infestations, as well as garbage on the streets, as well as killings in the cities. And they are they are what they are. You know, I mean, I'm sure... 
you know, a lot of people would just say, well, you can't put that many people in one area and expect them to be able to live in peace. If you say so. If you can't, if they can't live in peace, then you better have enough of police officers that can help them understand that they need to try to live in peace and not be uh, killing and murdering other people and throwing the trash out on the streets and whatnot. Just really, when you look at you look at Baltimore and their city budget is near what the state of Arkansas's budget is. Should say something to you, like malfeasance of how they're spending the money. Something to think about. Just giving you something to think about today. I mean, that's what our show tries to do. We try to bring these points out to you. Got a lot of things uh, else that we're going to talk about today. Uh, of course, they had a gun gun down uh, a garlic festival up in Northern California. Gunman killed three people at a Northern California food festival Sunday night. Turned and fired uh, an AK-47 type assault rifle at responding officers before fatally wounded. Uh, He was uh, killed, police say, as they continue investigating what may have led Santino William Legan to carry out the assault. Gilroy Chief of Police Scott Smithy told reporters Monday afternoon the attack at the Gilroy Garlic Festival resulted in the death of a male in his 20s, a 13-year-old female, and a 6-year-old. Despite the fact that they were outgunned with their handguns against a rifle, those three officers who were there were able to fatally wound that suspect, Smith, he said, describing how officers among those already at the event to provide security engaged gunmen less than a minute after the first shots rang out. It could have gotten so much worse so fast, he said. They believe uh, Legan legally purchased a rifle in Nevada on July 9th before returning to California with it at some point. A a motive for the shooting has yet to be determined. So, there you got it. Just so you know, another shooting. I saw where uh, one of the guys, he was a 33-year-old male now, was killed up in Cave City. Over the weekend, he was one of the uh, shooters, of the two shooters up in Jonesboro. Uh, was it 98 that that happened, Russ? The 98 that the shooting occurred up there? I believe it was. Okay, so uh, one of them has uh, died. He had changed his name. Uh, the police didn't recognize until, I guess, one of the officers for the ASP realized that it was one of the shooters from uh, that horrific event so uh, I don't know where the other one is he had been wasn't uh, was he was this the same guy I don't know if you know or not Russ was he the same one that got into the trouble in northwest Arkansas here a couple years back not sure I'm not sure either have to have to do some digging to find out about that Okay, before we get to the news, let me remind you about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. I've been using Sonny's now the last couple of years extensively to keep my cars running. I uh, had motor go bad uh, in my uh, SUV and uh, went and got one of the well-maintained total loss uh, vehicle engines for my car. It saved me thousands of dollars. It's uh, an engine that 
didn't have a whole lot of mile, bunch of miles on it, so we put it in my car, and it's running like the top uh, that it is. I uh, didn't go and get me a rebuilt engine because that'd have been five, six thousand dollars. This was a, just a little over a thousand bucks with uh, the labor. Incredible uh, what they did for me over at Sunny's. So uh, here's the key: you call, save some money. Nine eight two seven four five one. Nine eight two seven four five one. Remember, every part's guaranteed. Comes with a standard warranty. They get uh, give you one, two, and three-year warranties on all their parts. They do it, and they do it right for you. And uh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Nine eight two seventy four fifty one. Sunny's Auto Salvage. I use them. You should use them because you're your number one choice for recycled auto parts. All right, three o'clock hours coming up. Hey, coming up at four o'clock. Jan Brewer, former governor of Arizona, will join us. And we're going to talk to her about the Supreme Court decision about building the wall down there uh, along the southern border. That's coming as well. Robert Steinbach will join us sometime in the 3 o'clock hour. It's all right here and only here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, we continue here on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. And, uh, man, my phone's blowing up today for texts on questions for tomorrow on the, uh, the Bible guy segment. Got three call, three questions today already. So that'd be interesting to see what we get into tomorrow. Bible guys at SalemLR.com. That's it. Just send us uh, the stuff. All right. We'll, we'll get to the questions and I know, Let's see, Billy's going to be here tomorrow. Steve can't. He's got to work. And uh, Scott, pastor at uh, Agape, will be here uh, as well. So it'll be Scott and Billy here on the uh, on the Dave Ellswick Shmo, uh, show tomorrow at uh, 5 o'clock. Schmo? Yeah, Schmo. I'm a Schmo. What can I tell you? I'm just saying, that guy that they caught in Baltimore with the rocket launcher, that was for rodents. <laughs> That's what it was. He was ready. That was not a Luger. <laughs> I know it wasn't a Luger. He had a, sh- he had a, I don't know, I forget what they call, some, something that he put on his shoulder, I'm Laws. sure. Yeah, you know, stinger of some time or some, uh, type or something. It had been used, all right? It was just the, the leftover part of it. Couldn't be used again. I think it's ridiculous that they got all, see, the way they did the story, I had a little problem with because I was arrested with a, you know, uh, missile launcher no well kind of but minus the missile okay kind of hard i guess you could beat somebody to death with it you know if you get close enough and swing at him but anyway uh let's talk about bernie sanders hypocrisy i want to talk about bernie sanders hypocrisy for a few moments this is the stuff that doesn't get called up on uh, i i didn't see this on nbc Uh, ABC or CBS. This is what Bernie Sanders said about Trump's Baltimore tweet. Cut seven. Joining me now in Detroit, 2020 presidential candidate, Senator Bernie Sanders. And Senator Sanders, I know you want to talk about issues, but I do uh, also want to talk about what uh, President Trump said about your former colleague in the House, Elijah Cummings, and his district being, quote, a disgusting rat and rodent infested mess that no human being would want to live in. What's your response? Jake, it's it's unbelievable that we have a president of the united states who attacks 
uh, American cities who attacks Americans who attacks somebody who's a friend of mine. Elijah Cummings is one of the most decent and outstanding members of the House of Representatives. He fights every day to improve life in his community. Uh, I do find it interesting that when we have rural Republican districts where life expectancy is going down, where downtowns are boarded up, where people are struggling, and people are struggling in rural America, they're struggling in urban America, they're struggling in suburban America. Our job is to bring people together to improve life for all people, not to be a have a racist president who attacks people because they are African-Americans. That is a disgrace, and that is why we're going to defeat uh, this president. All right. So... What does Bernie Sanders really believe? Let's go back to 2016. Cut number one. Being here today, uh, but for the work you're doing every single day uh, for people who are hurting, uh, who are often living in the shadows, and for whom, as a nation, we do not pay much attention to. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that America is the wealthiest country in the history of the world. But anyone who took the walk that we took, we took around this neighborhood would not think you're in a wealthy nation. You would think that you were in a third world country where unemployment is over 50 percent. A community that does not even have decent quality grocery stores where moms can buy quality food for their kids. A community in which the dream of getting a higher education for many kids is as real as is going to the moon. In the United States of America, 37% of African American children should not be living in poverty. In the United States of America, we should not be having more people in jail than any other country on earth, disproportionately black and Hispanic. Okay. It's Bernie Sanders three years ago. What community was he talking about that he was walking around in there, Russ? Baltimore. That's exactly right. Racist. Racist. I'm just saying. Baltimore looks, he said this community, he was in Baltimore. Baltimore looks like a third world country. I'm just saying, don't hear anybody calling him racist right now for saying that. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? It is that's the kind of hypocrisy that would drive you crazy drive you crazy yeah anyway bottom line they'll call any republican a racist whenever they get the opportunity to but you get one of their own says the exact same thing no big deal it's truth being truth to power don't you know what he's doing Keep it all, keep that all in your head. Now, Carl Rove, who's now one of my favorite people, was talking about the Cummings tweet, and uh, here's what he had to say about it. Cut three. Carl, you hear people close to the Trump campaign saying that the president can kind of walk up to the line of, of racist tweets, racist rhetoric, mobilize his base, and then step back from it without 
alienating a lot of other people that he's going to need, for instance, suburban, college-educated people. Is this a good political strategy? Uh, th this didn't advance it. If, if, if that was his goal, this didn't advance it. I mean, he attacked a city, he attacked a district, he attacked a people, he painted an ugly picture. I, I don't think this helped the president's cause whatsoever. And uh, look, I, 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 I don't know what is in his heart, but I don't see him as a racist. But this is the kind of thing that will cause people, uh, even who accept that view, to say, Mr. President, why are you doing this? We've got better things to do with his tweets. Okay. All right. So that's what... Carl Rove had to say. I just think the president was uh, laying it out there. He gets, you know, I got to think that if I were sitting in the White House and the Democrats continually were just saying lie after lie after lie after lie, that maybe I would, I won't say snap, but would want to get back and drop the dime on somebody, so to speak. I might want to do that uh, as well. All right, Robert Steinbach will join us this hour. He's uh, running a little bit late, but he will be here. Four o'clock, former governor of uh, Arizona, Jan Brewer, will join us. We'll talk to her about that great uh, uh, Supreme Court decision we got just before we went into the weekend with the money being real, told that uh, from the... Uh, uh, military that can be reassessed and moved to, to building the wall down on the southern border. We'll talk to her about that. And then uh, Robert and I have a lot of different things to talk about. I may bring him into this whole uh, talk that I'm having about, uh, you know, the urban areas in America. It's, it's crazy. It really, really is. Hey, don't forget about PI Roofing, Home Solutions, and all the great things that they do. Their number, the number one thing that they do and they do it so, so well, is roofing. Best here in the, the central Arkansas area. Had my roof done by them. Look, uh, up there in Cabot, Cabot VIP Cinema had their roof done by them. There's uh, people that I know personally have had their roofs done by them. And uh, they all say the same thing that I say, that PI roofing does a fantastic job on your roof not only do they get the roof done and get it done right but they clean up behind themselves got this big magnet they go around your house with pick up all the nails you know because when you use those nail guns nails fly everywhere and they do a fantastic job with all that flashing and the stuff that they have to do up on your roof with that if you've had any leaks that uh, caused them to come out, that you had them come out, and it caused damage inside your home, they'll do all the home repairs for you for that. They'll repair that as well. Uh, a lot of contractors won't do it because it's not big enough jobs. That's not the case with the folks at PI Roofing Home Solutions. They will do that. And now, on top of those last two things, we've got two more things to talk to you about. One, They'll clean out your gutters, get your gutters completely cleaned out, and then you can talk to them about the gutters they have, which have great, great, they look like crown molding, they're beautiful, and you can talk to them about those gutters as well. Where do you find out about all this? Same place I find out about it and everybody else, you go where I tell you to go, P.I. Roofing, piroofing.com. Hey, I wanted to tell you something here, I, I just got a notification that uh, coming up on 
Thursday at 3 o'clock. This is really kind of exciting. Uh, we're going to have in uh, the head of um, the Arkansas um, Computer School that they have out there. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get down to the beginning of all of this. Hold on. Uh, the Ar- Arkansas Virtual Academy. Now I, I'm not. I think you still you re, you may remember uh, Russ that uh, my daughter was in that for a couple of years. She did that for a couple of years. She did very well on it, and it was uh, very good for her. And so uh, we're bringing in uh, the uh, director of that. Amy's coming in, um, and she'll be talking to us on Thursday uh, to uh, discuss this. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a great hour. Uh, uh, at 3 o'clock on Thursday. If you've not heard about the... Uh, Bill Bennett came in. I've, I've, been, I've been working on this since Bill Bennett came in to, to kick it off. Uh, and that was back in the early 2000s. I forget what year it was. But my daughter did good in it. It was good. Then we, uh, we brought her back into school uh, in Cabot. Uh, some things that uh, they offered that I couldn't get with the Virtual Academy and uh, she went on to, to graduate and did a good job. You know, went uh, very, very well. All right, so let's get back. We we talked about Bernie Sanders now. What else do we want to do? How about let's talk about some stuff along the border? That'd be that'd be fun to talk about. Uh, you know what the Democrats hate? They hate when their own turns on them. That's what they hate. Rahm Emanuel. That's right. Rahm Emanuel. Cut number six. He's uh, blasting at immigrants because he says that's what Democrats want, Medicare for all. Here's what happened in Miami, and you can't have it in Detroit. We can't have Miami, too, which is you cannot win the primary that forecloses the general election. Neither President Obama or President Clinton did that. They were able to win the nomination and make their case Decriminalizing. Uh, but a series of things. And what, what, listen, here's what's happened. We have a 25. <laughs> just take one issue. We have a 25-point advantage over President Trump on health care. We're talking about taking away 150 million people's private health care. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to give undocumented people the health care. How about the 35 million Americans who work who are one illness away from financial bankruptcy? Talk to them. Focus on them. They're going to vote. And what are we doing? We're talking about taking people's health care away. The, 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 yeah, and giving the, it to the, illegal immigrants and talking about open borders. Rahm Emanuel is like a bad clock. He, stick, he, he hits the right time twice a day. In this case, he hit the right time. All right, if, if, if polling is showing you strongly challenging the president on, you know, Medicaid for all and, and all of that, why would you throw into the mix, which the Democrats have done, where all other people are standing on stage and say, Medicare for all, we'll give, uh, you know, we're going to take away everybody's health care because that's part of it. They're going to get rid of all the insurance companies. I hope that you're listening strongly to what they're saying about that. We're going to get rid of all of the, the insurance companies and we're going to give illegal immigrants free health care when there's Americans out there can't afford any. Now, that is what you call political suicide. That's what you call 
you don't know which end of the gun shoots the bullet, and you got that you got the barrel, you know, pay, you know, facing right between your eyes. That's going to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound. It it will. Now I'm talking, you know, I'm not talking uh, literally. Talking figuratively here, so don't send me things. How can you say that? I can hear it already. Um, so he's right. He's absolutely right about that. So we've we got to give Rahm Emanuel's, uh some uh, some love because he's actually saying something that is absolutely true. And then uh, Mick Mulvaney, the Director of Office of Management and Budget, you know, they're talking to him about uh, the uh, the southern border, talking about seeking asylum. And here's what he had to say about seeking asylum for economic reasons. Not a legitimate, you know, argument. Safe third country agreement. Um, it essentially asks Guatemala, which is one of the poorest countries in this hemisphere, to accept refugees and some of the most vulnerable and claim asylum there instead of the United States. How can they afford to do that if the United States isn't increasing aid well, to we, allow them to? We can help them. Listen, I think what you saw this week... The U.S. Week, is promising Well, I think aid. what you saw this week was a warming of the relationship. We've, we've struggled with Guatemala the last couple of weeks and months as, as they were not helping us with their own border security. We've had the same discussions with Mexico. But I thought we had a very, very productive week. And what we're saying is if you're leaving El Salvador okay, and, you get, and you're leaving because you want asylum, that you can claim asylum and should claim asylum in the first country that is safe to you. It doesn't mean it's wealthy. It doesn't mean you're going to do great. It means you are safe. That's this the is basis. also one of the three countries that people are fleeing from. The majority of migrants are coming from Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. So you're asking one of those countries people are fleeing from to give safe haven. They are fleeing for economic reasons, and then they are claiming asylum here. Economics are not a valid reason under international law for asylum. So if you do leave El Salvador and you're saying you are being persecuted, you're threatened with death, you're at risk, you get to Honduras, you get to, uh, you get to Guatemala, it may not be the wealthiest country in the world, but you are safe, and that is the basis for asylum. Keep in mind, this was, this was a major uh, development this week. We really do think it's going to help. It's going to supplement what we did with Mexico a couple weeks ago. The bottom line is we're having more success with Guatemala, more success with Mexico at helping us on the southern border than we are with the Democrats on the House who are still spending all of their time on impeachment. In fact, I think they just announced their five or six week vacation, what they're going to talk about every week when they're gone. And not a single week is dedicated to to border security or immigration reform. Uh, A complete lapse of responsibility. All right. Right on, man. You know, just because the country you're in, you can't make enough money uh, to reach the goals that you want to reach does not mean that we have to give you asylum. Thank you, Mick Mulvaney, for bringing some truth to this discussion. If if it's that asylum is granted to people who are running from a country where people are trying to kill them, they're under, uh, you know, political persecution, religious persecution, things of that nature not just because they can't make enough money. So now they can go to Guatemala and live at a place that's going to be fairly peaceful, make enough that, uh, you know, they can, they, can, they can live. Don't come here. We're not going to let you in. Not going to, not going to make it possible for you to be part of it. I mean, that, I thought Mulvaney did a really good job of uh, cutting that lady off right in the areas that she was uh, absolutely wanting to to talk about, you know, that 
uh, look, you know, these people are living in poverty and stuff. You know how many people live in poverty in the world? It's a lot. A lot. And we've got people living in poverty in our own country. And as far as I'm concerned, before I help anybody from some other country, I want to help Americans first. Now, if you think I'm a bad person for that, then I'll take it. Go ahead and beat me up as much as you want. The bottom line is that uh, your economic economics that you're trying to run away from, from do not mean that my country has to give you asylum or should even give you asylum. I agree with that. All right. When we come back, hopefully Robert Steinbach will be here uh, and join us. He had Text me to say that he was running late. Hopefully, he'll be able to get here uh, fairly soon. Rain's slowing him down right now. And uh, yeah, we got a lot of rain falling here in the city right now. That may be causing the traffic to, to screw up. But we've got uh, Democrat uh, Congresswoman Rashida to leave and what she had to say about Israel. And I want Robert to be around so that he can talk about this because he'll go back and do the history lesson for you all over again here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get to the news. All right, we're back. Dave Ellswick show, and uh, we're waiting for uh, our friend to get here, Robert Steinbach. He should be here shortly. Again, I just saw a story as I was looking. I was headed online to look for something for you, and I can't remember what it was I was going to go look for. But uh, uh, anybody who's familiar with travelers is familiar with this guy, and they remember him simply because he was one of the tallest pitchers ever to pitch seven one seven foot one yeah luke van mill passed away yeah 34 i saw that i didn't realize he had played here yeah for how long one season okay i mean not even a season but he was here now was he was he a drink of water or at seven one or was he you know a pretty big guy he was seven one tall and Six seven across. He he was he was physical. I mean, was he he, was not he was not a straw. Okay, all right. So he had he had uh, he had some weight on his frame. Yeah. How fast could he throw? I mean, at seven one coming off of the mound, he should have been able to get pretty good leverage. He had some he had some pretty good speed on it. Uh, Not not on not regularly, but he he could he could whip it. Interesting. Did they say what he died of? We're checking. He's no explanation right now on the uh, on okay. the cause of death, but uh, we'll find out more as it as it goes along. Hey, so for, he, he was in a fatal car accident, is what I the best that I know. Okay. All right. Hey, check this out. Are you ready? You know what? You know who Beyond Meat is, right? The people who make fake burgers? Yeah. Okay. They posted better than expected sales in the second quarter, boosted its full-year outlook. Uh, revenue, $67.3 million versus $52.7 expected. Uh, Beyond now expects revenue for the full year above $240 million, up from the previously expected $210 million. Uh, quote, we're very pleased with our second quarter results, which reflect continued strength across our business as evidenced by new food service partnerships 
expanded distribution in domestic retail channels, and accelerating expansion in our international markets. Now, explain me this, Russ. They People get crazy when they talk about, quote, Franken foods. You know what I'm talking about here, right? People who yeah. they make uh, something with, with something else. And yet, people are rushing to eat something <laughs> that's supposedly meat, but it's not meat. It's made out of all chemicals, as though they think that that's going to be real healthy for them. Does that make sense to you? I'm at a loss. <laughs> so am I. I don't get it. I guess I'm just old-fashioned. If you're gonna, if you want a hamburger, eat a freaking hamburger made from a cow. Now, if you're worried about they got too many, uh, you know, stuff pumped into them, there's plenty of farms like Lucas up there and in Greenbrier and things of that that can uh, give you grass-fed beef that uh, you can buy from them and have the, some of the best quote can't call it organic because they really don't have a terminology for what is organic beef, but grass-fed beef. It's good beef, the way it used to be, so to speak. Shares of Beyond have been on fire since its public debut on May 2nd. They started off at 25 bucks. The stock has skyrocketed at 840%. As of Friday's close, Beyond... Beyond's market cap currently sits around 100, around $13 billion. Investors have been piling into the alternative meat space as it currently takes the food industry by storm. Beyond recently inked deals with Tim Hortons and uh, Duncan. This, that's Duncan Donuts. Uh, to sell items across thousands of stores. However, the recent frenzy has analysts ringing the alarm on Beyond's ballooning valuation. Nevertheless, the significant growth potential in the alternative beef space, uh, or just meat space, not beef space, uh, coupled with Beyond's aggressive and swift partnerships with restaurants and food service companies, has most analysts bowled up on the stock. Just something to think about. And I've been seeing all kinds of articles. I don't know if you've been seeing this, Russ. Uh, Motley Fool and others going crazy about now's the time to get into, uh, you know, cannabis. If you want to get into a business that's going to grow big and grow fast, you need to be in cannabis. So um, if that keeps growing, I got to tell you, I think you're going to see um, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see what, the federal government does about uh, about cannabis and whether they legalize it and make it a uh, you know a, a drug that uh, is not out there that they're saying is going to you know kill you or whatever. So we keep our minds because if there's a, if there's a ton of money in it, politicians may be slow, but they ain't stupid typically, and uh, they'll be looking to had their wallets and everybody else's wallets and get some extra money for, uh, you know, the the wonderful world of, uh, you know, the wonderful world of, let me put this. I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying this. um, You know, syntaxes again. So they can get the money and 
wasted in other programs. Maybe it'll send a few more billion dollars to Baltimore. Maybe feed um, marijuana to the rats. The rats will be so stoned that laid back, they won't uh, go out and multiply. Just, just saying, just, just a thought on my part. <laughs> just, a th- <laughs> just a thought. I don't even want to say what's going through my mind. I know. Right I just, just, just a thought on my part. I'm, just, I'm just saying. You're gonna have a bunch of Cheeto dusted rats out there. <laughs> what was? What would be a rat's favorite fast food? There you go. That's a good one. I like that. That's a good question. Probably don't have a, a good answer for it, to be honest with you. Uh, Daily Wire today reporting on some Trump is right about Baltimore, and everyone knows it. Walsh writing a great article today. This is, this is fun. Matt Walsh. President Trump set off another round of performative hand-wringing this weekend when he described the city of Baltimore as disgusting, rat-infested, dangerous, and very poor. I'm personally not a big fan of Trump's Twitter commentaries, which are almost always posted in anger and almost always prompted by a Fox and Friends segment. Hey, are there a bunch of Democrats living in Baltimore? Oh, of course. It's run by the, by the, the freaking Democrats. I would uh, rather the president do something other than live tweet the Fox News morning show. That said, he's not wrong about Baltimore, and I say that as someone who lived in the area for over... 20 years. Indeed, everything he said about the town has already been said, and even in much worse ways by the people who reside in or around it. Up until this weekend, you would have been hard-pressed to find any Baltimorean who would contest the claim that Baltimore is dangerous, poor, and yes, in parts disgusting. You would have been even harder-pressed to find non-Baltimore residents who would disagree with the assessment. To the outside world, Charm City, and that's what they call Baltimore, you know, it's Charm City, has for years been known first for murder, second uh, in drugs, and then second for The Wire, a show about murder and drugs, and then third, crab cakes. Natives of the city know it all for those same things, along with Natty Bow and great football. Crab cakes. Crab cakes. Crab, Crab cakes. What a shock to the system it has been then to see the media and leftists on Twitter suddenly pretending to have some great affection for Baltimore. Trump possesses a sort of reverse magnetism that causes his opponents to rush to the opposite side of whatever position he's taken, even if the position is that a city with one of the highest murder rates in the country is dangerous. After spending decades scoffing at Baltimore, or entirely ignoring it, now leftists have come heroically to its defense. The hilariously misspelled hashtag WeAreBaltimore hashtag campaign features a bunch of people, many of whom are not from the city, explaining why it's actually a lovely place. Many of these tweets are accompanied with pictures of the Inner Harbor, the most touristy spot in town, and about as representative of Baltimore's culture as Times Square is of New York City's culture. Ironically, though, even the relatively safe and family-friendly Inner Harbor has recently seen outbursts of chaos and violence. We talked about this. Uh, A huge swarm of teenagers descended on the harbor a few months ago, randomly assaulted tourists just for the fun of it. Random assaults at the harbor are nothing new, and the problem isn't going away. Just last week, a Cindy employee was brutally beaten in daylight just blocks away 
the second incident of that type in the last few weeks. If this is what the comparatively safe parts are like, it's no surprise that the unsafe parts look like third world slums. With a poverty rate of 23% and a violent crime rate over 400% higher than the national average, Baltimore clearly fits the bill for poor and dangerous and rat infested, by the way. There are well over 10,000 murders, rapes, robberies, and assaults reported in Baltimore in a given year to go along with the 30,000 or so cases of property crime. In fact, 10 people were shot and several killed just as Trump's tweet on Saturday. Including Friday in the total, Baltimore had 13 shootings and six murders in one weekend. Meanwhile, the fire department was busy putting out 11 fires. What is the brightest spot in all of this? Well, if you're searching for one, don't look towards the education system where a third of all high schools in the city struggle to get even one student. Listen to this closely. To get even one student up to the level of merely proficient in basic subjects like math. At Booker T. Washington Middle School, the proficiency rate for math and English is, ready for this, Russ? Zero. Zero. We've even gotten into the statistics on drug abuse and homelessness, but there's no need. Everyone gets the picture. And they didn't need this article to tell them. We all know that Baltimore, like so many Democrat-run cities, is in so many ways a disgrace. And ignoring the problem won't make it go away. We know that because city leaders have already tried that strategy for decades and look where it's gotten us. Very great article by Walsh there here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We appreciate that. We'll come back. Robert should be here. We'll be ready to continue. And I got to play this new piece of audio from Representative Rashida Tlaib about Israel for Robert when he attends. All right, so uh, Harris now is wavering on her previous support for decriminalizing unauthorized border crossings. Remember, she's one of them who's been talking about, well, you can't criminalize that. Now, if you don't criminalize it, then what happens? Well, you're just saying you're an open border person. Just let them come on in. And... uh might be dangerous to do that. Well, it appears that she's wavered on her support or lack thereof uh, for the decriminalization of unauthorized border crossings. This is now an article from Paul Boss uh, saying that uh, on Fox News, Harris notoriously joined her fellow 2020 contenders at the first Democratic Party presidential debate in raising her hand in support of decriminalizing unauthorized border crossings. Then Friday of last week, the senator seemed to reverse or at minimum muddle her way into a position when pressed about it on The View by Megan McCain. Quote, that's not correct. I'm not in favor of decriminalizing or not having consequence for, let me be very clear, we have to have a secure border. But I'm in favor of saying that we're not going to treat people who are undocumented cross the border as criminals. That is correct. That is correct, Harris told McCain. Does that make any sense to you at all? Let me read it again. What, here's what she said. I'm not in fam- favor of decriminalizing or not having consequences for, let me be very clear, 
We have to have a secure border, by, but I am in favor of saying that we're not going to treat people who are undocumented cross the border as criminals. That is correct. That is correct. Now, if I just got the first part of her statement correct, she said that she's not for decriminalizing border crossers who are coming across and breaking the law of the country. Then she says at the end, we're going to treat, we're not going to treat people who are undocumented cross the border as criminals. Now you can't decriminalize, you can't say you don't want to decriminalize and in the same instance say that we can't criminalize them. You do one or the other. McCain responded, I believe if someone crosses over the border illegal, it's illegal and you would decriminalize it. Harris said, I would not make it a crime punishable by jail. It should be a civil enforcement issue, but not a criminal enforcement issue. Harris waffling on the issue and oftentimes downright apologizing for a prosecutorial record has become part has become par for the course in her 2020 bid for the Democratic presidential nomination. In fact, following the debate in which she attacked former Vice President Joe Biden for opposing school busing in the 70s, she immediately changed her stance into agreeing with Biden on the same issue. Quote, I think of busing as being in the toolbox of what is available and what can be used for the goal of desegregating America's schools. I believe that any tool that is in the toolbox should be considered by a school district. If that sounds familiar, that's because Joe Biden said something nearly identical when uh, Harris pressed him on the issue of school busing during the presidential debate. Quote, I did not oppose busing in America, Biden said. What I oppose is busing ordered by the Department of Education. That's what I oppose. Harris has had other politically opportunist policy flips over the course of this election cycle. So they're going to be back on stage again, what is it, uh, t- t- tomorrow, I think, that they're going to be uh, doing it again. And we got to see how the flip-flops go as far as as that concerned. When we come back uh, at 4 o'clock, joining us right out of the box, you all excited about this? I told you who's coming. Are you excited to talk to Jan Brewer? Former governor of of uh, Arizona. She's been on my show several times. She's coming on today. We're talking about the Supreme Court decision that just occurred on Friday that told the president that he can use uh, some money that was uh, dedicated to the military. He can go in and say, well, no, it doesn't have to go to that part of the military. He can go over here because this is a national security issue on the border, and uh, in a uh, 5-4 split, the Supreme Court agreed with him, and uh, I forget what the exact amount of money was, but uh, he's going to be using that money now on the border. So we'll be waiting for the president to have some kind of a uh, statement to make over the next few days about how he's going to use that money for him. Plus, just for my friend Robert Steinbach, because I know how much he loves Representative Rashida Tlaib uh, from up in uh, the Minnesota area. She no, said, Tlaib is not Minnesota. No, that's Oman. That's Michigan. Yeah, right, Tlaib, Tlaib is, is Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, right. I get, get the two places mixed up. She's up from where Dr. Poe is at. Uh, anyway, Tlaib said, Israel exists to the detriment of the Palestinians. You'll hear that when we come back here. 
on the Dave Ellswick Show as well. But first, got to get to the news. We're going to have five minutes of uh, news coming up, and uh, we're going to do that. Then we'll come back, and Robert has made his way into the studio, ready to go. What's been going on? Do you have a date or something? A hot date? Just running around, <laughs> you know, trying to catch my own tail. Uh, okay. Did you catch it? No. Most dogs try to do that and never can do it. Nope. You know, you don't, you got, I was looking at your headphones that you wear. I really like them, except that I'm going to get those new ones that are the bone headphones. Have you seen those? No. They sit against the back bone of oh, your ear. Oh, right. And they don't go in your ear, but you can hear just as clear as if they were in your ear. Oh, that's, un- I'll take it. You know, supposedly it doesn't attack your inner ear then. So I'll get them and we'll see how well they work. Right. Okay, if I suddenly start going, what? Huh? You, you know, huh? <laughs> you know, you may not want to buy any of them. All right, time to take a break. We'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back for the Dave Ellswick Show, 4 o'clock. Some of you are getting to go home now. Congratulations. We hate you. But uh, drive safe. It's It's been raining. It's been dry. So now the, the dust and the oil is starting to combine, and it's going to be a slick around here the way it always is. And we don't hate you. We just don't like you a whole lot. Anyway, we'll, the rest of us will be going home here shortly. Robert Steinbach, our legal professor from UALR and the Bowen School of Law, joins us in the studio. He, of course, uh, his opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect those of the university or the School of Law. And joining us on the telephone, I've talked to her many a time, the former governor of Arizona, Jan Brewer, is with us. Governor, how you doing today? Well, hello, Dave. I'm doing just great. How are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. I'm doing even better after the Supreme Court told the president, you know what, Mr. President, that is a national defense issue down on the border, and you may use that that uh, military money to build a wall down there. Absolutely. That was a huge victory for our president, but more than that, it was a huge victory for our country. Well, you dealt with this a lot, Jan. I came to your state back when the Minutemen were down there, and I was on the King Anvil Ranch in Pinell County, and I saw it firsthand what was going on down there. People just really don't have a a, a real good grasp of how terrible that kind of, uh, you know, movement of illegals across the border is. Oh, you're absolutely correct. You know, we've got people that want to solve our problem and talk about it. They've never been to the border. They don't live with it day in and day out. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the problems that it has caused our state and our country are just outlandish. And as a governor of the state, I, you know, I tried my best to get something done. I had a president that wouldn't work with me. And now we've got a president that's moving forward. He understands the problem and the, uh, uh, all the uh, situation that it puts all of us in, the cost and the criminals and the crime and the fear and the addiction and the drugs and the sex trafficking and the child trafficking, it just goes on and on and on. And uh, our president, uh, uh, President Trump, said he was going to build a wall, and by goodness, he's going to build a wall, and we thank the Supreme Court for doing the right thing to be able to take $2.5 billion from the Defense Department and send it um, to uh, help uh, build, uh, begin building the wall. It will make a huge difference. And you know, Dave, because you've been there. You've seen the border. Yep. 
Yep, it's not no, good. I, I yeah. talked to the ranchers no. down there, and they didn't want to come out of their houses at nighttime because they were afraid that, that you got a you have a whole national park uh, down there by Nogales that their people are told don't even go in to do hunting anymore because of all the drug trafficking. It's crazy. Oh, and tearing up the desert, and the, you know, and the kids that need school buses, they can't stand out to get their buses because of the coyotes and the and the people coming across and the and the cartels. Um, it was terrible, and women walking around, you know, making dinner with a pistol on their hip. John, this is Robert Steinbuck. I hear these leftists. Hey, all Robert. The, hey, how you doing? I hear these leftists all the time. Uh, with in their Georgetown apartments, uh, swirling their uh, Chardonnay, telling me that a border <laughs> wall uh, is wholly ineffective, but all sorts of electronic equipment will solve the problem because they apparently on the side uh, got some sort of tech degree. And so you're someone <clears throat> who's down there, who's who has been to the border. And it strikes me two things. One is they certainly don't know more than you do. And I have no dispute that technology is helpful. But tell us, please, how does a border wall assist, not guarantee, needless to say, but assist in curtailing the illegal immigration? Because you can contain it and you can set up the technology to monitor it, but it slows it all down and it funnels them to certain areas if, in fact, they're going to do it so that we can be able to, to, to detain them and, and to gather them up. I mean, we all know walls work. I mean, uh, most people have a wall somewhere in their environment that they know works. Uh, you know, walls around swimming pools, walls around your backyard, walls around your compounds, walls around the White House, the walls around uh, every home in Beverly Hills. I mean, if they didn't work, people wouldn't be putting them up. So we need the walls built, and we know where they have been put up. In Arizona, like our Yuma sector, they have worked. They have worked tremendously. And in Southern California, over in Tijuana, um, at, at the border there, they, they have worked there. Now, we know that it's not going to solve, it's not going to completely solve the problem, but it's going to help probably be about 80%. And that's what we've got to have. We cannot afford what that has done to our country. And um, we are blessed uh, that people are finally uh, understanding it. And by goodness, you know, uh, the, the Democrats have had numerous times uh, in Congress to vote to get funding for this wall. And 80 times they have voted no. 80 times. They agree now that we have a crisis at the border, but they don't ever vote to fund anything. So with the Supreme Court uh, stepping up, I think we're going to see uh, some movement. And that we're going to um, be able to maybe start down the path of getting this resolved. We have been fighting this fight for, what, 30 years? Yep. At least? Yep. 30 years, yeah. And, you know, I was whistling in the wind all the time I was governor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I, I tried. I worked it. I mean, I would go to the governor's meetings. They didn't want to talk about it either. You know, they all had a solution, just like ignore it. You know, the president at the time didn't want to do anything with it. He just sort of shined me on. Um, you know, so I am so happy. I think the people of Arizona, I know, are indeed very, very happy with the ruling that came down. And I think the people of America are going to be uh, and are very, very grateful. I can say this. Uh, I keep telling people that the border of Arizona is the border of Arizona. Uh, Arizona is the border of Arkansas. And the border of Texas is the border of Arkansas and the border, southern border of California, yeah. the border of Arkansas. It's affecting all of us, Jan. 
Oh, absolutely. In Arizona, of course, because our border was so weak that we were the gateway. We were the gateway. And they didn't all stop here and stay in Arizona. I mean, they went to Arkansas. They went everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, that's where they're coming through. They could get on there and they could head east, uh, you know, get further away. And uh, that's what they do. And I'm sure that you guys have had the effects of it. You know what M13 is. You know what the drug issues are. You know what the cartels are doing. I mean, the drop houses. Um, the, the, the trafficking, it just goes on and on and on. And um, the federal government, even even with the incarceration, and it's, it's even with the illegals, Dave, that are coming across with their families, that's a huge, expensive burden on us because it's education for the kids, it's health care in our hospitals, and then if they get into trouble, it's the incarceration. And the federal government would not give us any money for any of our courts. No scap dollars were were ever given to us in mm-hmm. Arizona. I mean, we were in the middle of a recession. And yeah. we had to deal with all of that. And they wondered why I was jumping up and down, you know? Well, the, the country jumped up and down, and I thank Arkansas for their strong support. I thank you, Jay, for your strong support. Because finally we got somebody elected that's taken this uh, issue very seriously, and we're going to get it under control. You know, the bottom line is, is at this point in time, uh, President Trump has got Mexico doing more to help us than the Democrats in Congress. Yeah, no, no doubt about that, Jen. <laughs> Look, at, yeah, I, t- I yeah. told him I'd keep you for 12 minutes. I've, I've reached my time limit. I know you've got other interviews in front of or behind me. I thank you for your I time. Do. Governor, well, thanks thank so, you much. so much. Dave. Pleasure to talk to you again. Work. We'll keep doing I it for you, Jen. Thank thanks, you very Jen. much. Yeah, Jen, Jen uh, Brewer, former governor of, of Arizona. I got to know her pretty well because mm-hmm. I went down several times uh, during my uh, during that time and and talks seriously about what was going on if you still go on uh, google google Ellswick on the border and you can see some of the videos i took like all of the thousands of bicycles down there because a lot of people when you say desert they think of sahara desert all right that's not what the desert looks like out west it's hard it's like concrete salt flats yeah kind of it's like hard right. and the, the 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 coyotes and stuff get on bicycles and and put big old backpacks on and they uh, they pedal right across the desert with the drugs and stuff. But it is true. It, it blew me away going down, what is it thirty five that goes down south from Phoenix and down to Nogales and you're driving down uh, an interstate and you get by uh, the uh, the big. Uh, national park down there and there's huge signs on the on the uh, the road that says no hunting allowed because you're afraid you're going to get in the park and you're going to get killed it's ridiculous i was i was embarrassed that in my own country we wouldn't take uh, the bull by the horns and take i'm look a couple of wet squads we take care of that in no time i'm just saying well it's like what you've seen going on in new york city now where these hoodlums are throwing large containers full of water or who knows what onto cops and the cops are walking away because the mayor de blah blah blasio is essentially giving the leadership of non-confrontation here's the one thing you're often told dave you me and everybody if some bad guy gets in your face and you have the opportunity to walk away Mm. walk away and there's a lot of truth to that you don't need to exhibit some bravado if your life's not being threatened and some guy's mouthing off to you. 
it's often the smartest move to walk away. I typically laugh and walk away. Well, that's right. That's a, actually, in all seriousness, a very effective tactic to kind of dismiss and reduce the confrontation. You're a goofball. Laugh, 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 walk away. That's right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. cops' job is to do the opposite, meaning not to pick a fight, but to stand the ground that belongs to the public. So when someone's acting bad, when someone is doing wrong, the interaction will happen with the guy in uniform instead of you and me and everybody else. They're they're designed to take the brunt. And, of course, part of doing that is they have the power of enforcement, the power of arrest. It's not that they're supposed to get smacked around or water dumped on their face. But when there are hoodlums running around doing things like that, the cops are supposed to lean in, if I may borrow, lean forward, if I may borrow that kind of leftist nonsensical term, and engage with the wrongdoers so as to remove them so that you and I won't be harmed. And they walk away. And what I don't generally blame them, or I don't entirely blame them, or mostly blame them, but I do think that w- apparently they're they're saying, well, the, the higher ups, De Blasio, <laughs> isn't backing us up, so we're not going to engage with the bad guys. How long before some of those guys that are throwing water throw bullets, or something in between, right, Dave? How yeah. do you know what's in that container? By the way, oh, let me wait till somebody dumps a asset. Well, acid or, you know, acid is not the easiest thing to get your hands on. But Clorox bleach is, Mm -hmm. uh, gasoline is. So they can dump all sorts of toxic materials on the cops. And the only way they would know it is after it occurs. Well, that's not the way you do things. I agree. That's not for a safe environment. It's always nice to be preventive instead of reactive. Remember what happened with that cop who's now appealing for his job back here in Little Rock. Yep. He is chasing down. He gets a call that there is a uh, someone stole a car. He finds the guy, catches him, so to speak, in a parking lot, approaches him, doesn't wait for backup. He's not required to, to be clear, but doesn't wait for backup because the guy might get away. Yeah, and, take off. Right. It's, it's Little Rock. It, cops travel in individual cars, not in groups, and he makes a reasoned judgment to approach a guy. The guy, the passenger gets out, puts her hands up, complies completely. So we know what it looks like when it happens correctly. Mm-hmm. The driver does none of that. Nope. None. He doesn't comply with any requests, doesn't show his hands, and by the way, he has a gun. They're like, well, how did you know he has a gun? Well, we know he had a gun because he's been arrested. Well, he was killed, but he was he was stopped at the time. He had a gun. Yep. And then as the cop is I guess it would have been all right if the cop had gotten shot. Right. Exactly for the for the for the lefties, right? Yeah. So then the cop uh, is trying to confront this guy and he starts to drive his car into him. Mm-hmm. So the cop in order to get away from getting dr- driven over, yeah. as well as potentially shot makes a beeline around the bad guy's car. Oh, that's right, I said it, bad guy. The bad guy's car to get behind his own car. And at this time, the bad guy's pushing again with the car, and the cop shoots the bad guy. You know, he gets on, he's on the hood of the car. That's right. I'm sorry. He's on the hood of the shoots car. Shoots to the windshield. Kills the driver. 
goes through every level of re- review in the police department. Everybody said he complied with the rules. Yep. Goes to the prosecutor's office. They declined to prosecute because mm-hmm. he didn't commit any crimes. Right. And then the new police commissioner, chief. who was brought in by the new mayor, mm-hmm. both of whom likely read of one of those how leadership for dummies books, <laughs> emphasis on <laughs> dummies. That's right, I said it. Emphasis on dummies. Decide that, well, you got to come in and you got to go. You know, it's like when you go to prison and you got to take out the biggest guy yep. and you're the top yep. dog. Yep. By the way, don't lose on that gamble. Nope. But Better new, not lose. Right. But on this one, the commissioner and the mayor, who, according to the news, on the day of the shooting already wanted to fire the cop, uh, figured their their leadership for dummies book told them, let's get rid of them. And before we go to the break, right? let's also remind you that during that time, the hearing for this officer, they decide, some people do, that the media or nobody else can come in and record the media because it is unveiled during the media that the mayor wanted this guy fired immediately. Right. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, after the break, I'll pick up on that. All right. We'll talk more about it. It is 24 after 4 on a Monday. Robert Steinbach is here. Our thanks to Governor Jan Brewer, former governor of Arizona, for joining us here at the beginning of this hour on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. So you're going to talk now about uh, this change that they were doing about, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, but, you know, as far as uh, FOIA yeah. goes, the, yeah, the, you can. The, the Little Rock Civil Service Commission is holding the hearing on the appeal of that cop who got fired by the two folks that, that got the Leadership for Dummies book, right? Right. And so he goes and he says, look, everybody in the chain of command said I complied with the rules. Mind you, by the way, the complaint seems to be by the commissioner. Well, he... He went in front of a car, and we have a policy, you see here, that you're not supposed to step in front of a car to create a dangerous situation, therefore giving you the entitlement to shoot a bad How guy. How stupid a, is that? Right, no, but let's be clear what they're talking about. Let's say there's a bad guy getting away, and you're a cop, and you're on the side of the road. You, you can't walk out into the middle of the highway, put your hand up, say, stop, and as he continues on to you, then shoot him. That is different. Why not? Agreed. I mean, agreed that... <laughs> You should at least have a discussion about that. But I'll tell you why the, Why not. Meaning, whether or not I agree, the theory is you're creating too much of a risk for yourself and others potentially around you, including uh, innocent bystanders, obviously, that we don't want to do that, says the police department. All right. It's a policy choice. You can disagree with it. It's perfectly reasonable. And it's perfectly reasonable to disagree with it. But I don't think it's entirely unreasonable to have that policy, mind you. It's a judgment call. But that's not the same as getting confronted with a bad guy who starts to aim his car at you and then you try to get away and in the process of getting away, you actually wind up in front of the car because that's the only avenue for escape. So what should I do? Just stand there and get run over? What should I do? Stand there on the side of the car where the cop, where the bad guy is, who, as it turns out, as suspected, has a gun and could potentially shoot me. Is that the alternative that I should be pursuing? But here's the other thing about it, Robert. 
So let's say he gets out of the way of this guy. He's got a gun. He takes off. So who else is he going to kill? Your, your job is to protect and serve. Right. And there's a standard, in fact, that if there's a reasonable likelihood that the bad guy is going to present imminent danger to others, that he can be shot. All right. Let's uh, take a break. Yep. News time. Now, in England, if you commit a crime, the police don't have a gun and you don't have a gun. So if you commit a crime, it's stop or I'll say stop again. There you go. That's right. Say stop or I'll say stop again. All right. Let's continue on here. By the way, if you look and save money on your car insurance, your home insurance, your life insurance, your motorcycle insurance, whatever kind of insurance you have, I'm going to give you a good lead here. Call. Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency, 501-819-0373. Here's what they'll ask you to do. Bring all those insurances in. Bring all the paperwork in. Because well, here's what they want to do. They want to compare apples to apples with you. You'll bring in your insurance. They'll sh- you'll show them what you got. And they're going to show you what they can do to either lower the cost and get you more coverage or uh, get you more coverage and get you the same cost or vice versa or whatever they're going to come down you're going to come out better by talking to folks at Dwayne smith's insurance agency all you have to do is make the appointment 501-819-0373 set up an appointment to meet them at 3920 east keel avenue in sherwood that's where Dwayne smith has his office and uh, he and his professionals will sit down with you figure out a way to save you some money or if they can't save you money to get you better uh, coverage, as far as I'm concerned, that's as good as saving money. Get more for your bang of your buck. That's a Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency over in Sherwood. All right, Dave Ellswick show with us here is uh, Robert Steinbach. You wanted to continue on yeah. with your, your talk yeah, here. So, Go. I'll turn it over to you. So the last thing I was saying is this cop who got – fired because the new commissioner and the new mayor got themselves leadership for dummies handbook decided they were going to make example of a cop who was actually doing his job and trying to keep the streets of Little Rock safe. And so he files an appeal with the Little Rock Civil Service Commission and the Little Rock Civil Service Commission announces that the press aren't going to be allowed to videotape inside the meeting. Now, remember, Dave, as part of the Freedom of Information Act, there, a component of the Freedom of Information Act is the Open Meetings Act. It's all part of one law. And as you know, Dave, the, the Open Meetings Act means that the public... It's open meetings. Exactly. And part of that, by the way, is not only do you get to attend, you get to record. Right. That's not even... So you can in, share with other people. Exactly. And it's not even in dispute. That recording is part of attendance. So those rules apply to any executive branch agency. That can be confusing to the average Joe. But basically it means it doesn't necessarily apply to the court system. Why? Because as you likely know from the federal system, the president stands on equal footing with the Congress and equal footing with the Supreme Court. I mean, each are their own separate columns. And one can't tell the other what to do. That's what checks and balances are about. 
So if the legislature and the executive pass a law, they are constrained, not completely restrained, but constrained in what they can tell the courts to do. So the Open Meetings Act doesn't apply in the same way to the court system. So the Civil Service Commission decides, well, we're a court. You know, sort right. of like, Dave, it's sort of like you saying, you're a unicorn. Yeah, what they're, what they're saying is, because we have to decide on this guy's uh, going to be either working for us or not, we're, we're, we're doing what judges do. Exactly. But guess what? Every agency, every department, the legislature, the executive, and the judiciary, make decisions that affect other people's lives all the time. That don't make you a court. You know how you know you're not a court? Because it's not called the civil service courtroom. That's right. Right? That's one way. It's called a commission. Wait, commission? That word sounds like, oh, yeah, part of the executive. But here's really the interesting part about it, Dave. So in the morning, the Little Rock city attorney comes out and says, well, you see, there's a set of rules that applies to courts, and those apply here. And the problem is... No. Yeah. The the problem is no. Yeah. They don't. No. You might think they do, but you you think wrong. You can call yourself a banana all day. (laughs) You still ain't a banana. Yeah. And so, by the way, they they said at the morning of the uh, the hearing, the day before when it was already announced. So what you're telling me, this is a commission that identified as a court. A commission that identified (laughs) as a court. So we should just accept this. Under Title Nine. Anyway, (laughs) Ross, are you paying attention? No, he's asleep. <laughs> Are you paying attention? Which train? Which train's the caboose, Russ? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. The, so, the key is this. Wait, wait. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, no, but, Finish up. Uh, but here's what's really interesting. I call the night before, the day before. I call this Little Rock City Attorney's office. Carpenter. I I called his office. The secretary said Carpenter's not around. We'll give the message to the deputy. By the way, who's the one that came out and made that statement? The deputy. Mm-hmm. Never call me back. Hey, I'm I'm looking to give you some free education. Mm-hmm. Take it. That's my advice. Take it. Yeah. So, so they know everything already. So oh, why would they talk to you? Oh, they know it, all right. <laughs> Afternoon rolls around. The press is having a field day with this level of stupidity. I've must I, I've I've done four half dozen interviews already with them. I'm down at the hearing, by the way. Oh yeah, I went down to the hearing. Yeah. And come the afternoon, Carpenter has sent his deputy in. He comes in. Up. Oh, can't do it. Wait, my what? my deputy misspoke Wait, themselves, what? right? No, he didn't even he didn't even blame he didn't say anything. He gave no explanation. You know what the explanation is? Sunlight, Dave. That's the explanation. The explanation is that these corporate cronies in official governmental positions will take away your rights every time they can unless you stand up. And who's defending these people? The Municipal League. Remember that the next time the Municipal League shows up to the legislature asking for something. They have one job, that Municipal League. It's to interfere with the legitimate rights of Arkansas citizens. And they're getting your tax dollars. Why? Because the cities 
Give them money. They collect money. They take it out of your pocket and they turn it over to this private organization so that they can go down to the to the legislature and lobby so that these corporate-type cronies in governmental positions can do less and get paid more. So is this like a protection racket? That's what it is. It is. Hey, you know, uh, that that bottle of liquor just fell off the shelf over there. You're going to need someone to protect you. What? But to protect me from what? From us. That's from whom? From us. Because the people who give you stuff can take it away as exactly. well. Something to always remember. All right, quick break. We'll be back with more. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert uh, Steinbach is here. Remember, his opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those of UALR or the Bowen School of Law. All right, so, hey, Russ, is uh, Zach still around? Where did he take off? Studio over here is dark, so I don't know if he's still around. If he's around, yell him to just come in here for a second. This kid, I don't know how old he is or whatever, One. $3 million for being the world champion Fortnite player. A video I don't game. know what that is. It's a video game. Okay. It's a video game. It, it, they're saying that... I'm this, over 30, you know, Dave. Yeah, I, I know. This is the future of, they're saying, sports. It's going to be video game sports. I'm, no, I'm wondering no actual if, exercise? Yeah, I'm wondering if they're, going to get, if they're going to get away from playing real baseball and well, it's then, going to be who can play it best on... Then there won't be any uh, issue with men or women, because everybody can compete in that the that's same. That's right. You can make yourself look like an alien and be a starting pitcher. Exactly. You know, for that. All right, Zach. What's up? All right. I I try to keep up with everything. What in the crap is the game Fortnite? Fortnite, um, gosh, how can I describe the game? Hmm... I've watched it before, but I really can't describe it off the top of my head. I mean, what's the object? Is it a shooter game? Is I think it, you have to, don't you have to, like, build a society yeah, or something? Yeah, like I think that? it's something like that. Okay. I think it's more like it's, that than more more so a shooter, a shooter okay. game. Dude, you need... See, you're sitting here trying to be in broadcasting. No, 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 no. You need to be good at video games. The kid, a teenager, won the world championship Fortnite. Okay. Three mil. Mm-hmm. He won three mil. So how long before we don't play baseball on diamonds and we only play it on big screen TVs? Probably not far because, you know what, I'll follow Call of Duty for years. And, you know, you're talking about you bring up $3 million where, you know, this is a team sport in Call of Duty. It's basically called um, eSports. Esports, esports, exactly. And so you know, you have these groups, these teams of like four players. They get together, they play for a four year, basically, and they go out and play at these four major tournaments. Well, I know that they're giving out college scholarships now for oh, video game players. Really? Yeah, they got teams at at, at uh, colleges now. I had no idea about that. I just know about the major tournaments and events. They get paid big bucks of money for those things. Wow. They do. I'm just saying. Yeah, they do. Dude, mm-hmm. you missed your calling thus far. You need to get back into your video game playing. You used to play video games heavy, you told me. Yeah, you know, six years ago. Well, don't. You've already left your prime go past you, then, is what you're telling me. I'd say, you know, I had an interest in it, <laughs> but I was more interested in sports and other stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, see, you could have done it, was it MLB 2019 or whatever? <laughs> I'm just saying. 
I'm telling you, I don't. They're bringing robots in to call balls and strikes now. It's it's going yeah, to become, it's going to become like a you know a video game. I really don't want with. that. I really do not want that. I mean, I understand that you know you try to get rid of the human error, but to me, there's just something that comes along with the human element. I don't want to see robots in baseball, and I just. Eh. So how would you know that it's a it's a computer calling? Because the umpire is still going to stand back there. They are. Yes. Okay. You know, the Atlantic League, where they're testing it right now? Yeah. The umpire is there just like you would be in the game, and okay. he's got a phone that tells him whether it's a ball or strike. He's the one who calls it. So you're telling the, me he's standing behind the catcher and the, yep. and the hitter, and he's got a phone in his hand, and he's looking at it after every pitch. He's looking, he's looking right over the catcher's shoulder like uh-huh. he always does. And the ball comes over, and he's looking down, and he goes, strike, because on the phone it says it's a strike. Wow. You know what would be cool, though? You create some glasses where the umpire put on some glasses, and he can see that technology, and he can see if it's a ball or strike. They got that all right. I mean, you would think they would already have that. That would be better than having a phone in your hand. Well, yeah, I think you know? that they're going to get it better. But they mm-hmm. said that uh, in the Atlantic League, league they're already now in double a and single a yeah they're already saying this is a bygone conclusion goodness gracious it's going to be there it's going to be in the in the, in the national league and in the american league mm-hmm. within three years you know what i you know if they're going to be doing this in baseball i see no reason why i want to reach to tennis because you know you have your umpires there Ball! yeah 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 exactly I, I mm-hmm. what would macron roll have done oh my goodness he would have <laughs> what would oh, anastasi done Come on. Well, see, my favorite player, Novak Djokovic, you know, he's a Serbian. I think he would pretty much say some words in Serbian. You know, you wouldn't understand (laughs) him, but he would have some choice words in his native language. Well, that's the way Nasty was. Yeah. um, Yeah, Nasty Nasty. I mean, that's the bottom line, man. Yeah. But, you know, I just was, I thought it was interesting. We just saw it. They were talking about it on Fox. That's crazy. $3 million, Fortnite Mm -hmm. world champion. Yep. That's pretty. That's pretty good take. What do you think, Robert? I'll take it. Okay, well, you see, gonna start playing? No, <laughs> <laughs> Russ, you gonna start playing? My my reflexes are probably too slow by now. Let's see, like I say, Love. esports. You know that that blew up around like 2010 or 2011, and I mean with Call of Duty, especially at the time, Black Ops Two was the video game in 2012. Team sports and esports, it just blew up. And I mean, like I say, you have all these major tournaments that you go to, and you, even the, some of the smaller ones, you're still getting paid like one hundred thousand dollars. You can you make know? some money at this. You can make some money, exactly. Or but you can the, go out and vo- and, and race uh, drones. You watch those guys? I do not. Drones? You ever seen it? No. It's amazing. They race drones. It's crazy. People, you get big audiences yeah. watching people racing. Drones. You know what? I believe you too because I mean, it's just technology has just gotten so much, it just gotten so big. And I mean, video game, you know, that industry has had blown up. You know, it just. I just wonder if video games will ever replace real game. I don't want I'm just that. saying, I'm I just thinking. I don't want that. You think about how much money you could save. I mean, seriously, think how much money. Don't have to build a ball field. Mm hmm. Don't have to pay, you know, players that supposedly are really, 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 That's really, right. really girl, good, and they come in and they give up a gopher ball <sighs> in the bottom of the ninth inning. I lived through that just a couple of days ago. Gosh. Just saying. I do not want that. No. <laughs> I'm the one who's always out the rain on everybody's parade. What can I tell you? 
So anyway, enough. Enough on that. Yeah. That's what makes this show unique. I'll talk about this mm-hmm. stuff. It says something about us as a society and a culture. I'm just saying. It does. It says something about us. When there's that much money in a video game. Yep. You know, my, my wife was talking to me the other night. Have you seen they got, uh, what is it, uh, the one, uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto Online now? Okay. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Okay. And doing for that. years. And, and she said, I can't believe uh, that. I said, sweetheart, that game makes mil- billions of dollars. People play Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. This, this was the game before GTA V, came, which came out about four or five years okay, ago. GTA Grand Theft Auto. Grand right. Theft Auto. And we were talking yes. in... Mm-hmm. in non-adult term just so you know go ahead <laughs> but before uh, five came out you know five years ago it was basically grand theft auto, grand theft auto san andreas and people played that for 10 years plus yeah you know because you know that was the only game out at the time you know for this for the series and people just loved it you know people would not put it down they would keep their old playstations just to play that game more part of the culture it's a terrible game Look at what it says about police. Or listen to all of the language. Look at what they talk about women. You you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it was. So let me. Uh, this online game is this one that you got a. It's like that gaming line that you can pay. You know, fifteen dollars a month and play games that you want to play or whatever. Is that the way? Steam. Yeah. Is that the oh, way it is? Steam. It's probably is because it is a PC game. Yeah. I okay, think so. Okay, so you gotta you can you have to buy the game to play it or Yeah, you, it's just like any other game. You just buy it it's online. It's just called online. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every okay. game basically these days, if not I mean pretty much ninety five percent of the you games. You mean I don't have to go down to Best Buy and buy it? Yes, you don't have to. No, I don't have to do that. You can stay at home, turn in your PlayStation. So 4 what's gonna Xbox. keep Best Buy in business? Yeah, see, I'm just saying. Because I used to go to those midnight releases for Call of Duty. Yeah, and I then bet. you know what they said that you can now buy it online. I remember when they came out with the new uh, what was it? Uh, it wasn't uh, PlayStation. It was the other one? Uh, Xbox. Xbox. Mm-hmm. Remember, people were all lined up outside. Yes. I sent two people over there to get in line mm-hmm. so that we, the radio station would get two Xboxes, and we gave them away at Christmas time. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you knew Lance Larkin, right? Uh, Did you know? Do you know Lance? You know, I've heard of him. Yeah, he's a buddy I of know ours. Lance. Yeah, he's a buddy of ours. I he went out and stood all night for that's me. right, and he got he got uh, the copy. You get it, you know, mm-hmm. and then we we gave him away. You yeah, kind of raffled him off. I remember those nights. I used to do the exact same thing. Listen, this. Robert, did you ever stand in line ever for anything? Did you ever stand in line a long time for you get a ticket to go to a uh, you know, a rock and roll concert or anything? Last week, I tried to buy some ice cream at Kroger <laughs> <laughs> at 5 o'clock on Cantrell. I walked in, I walked out. Uh, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. All right. We got to get a break in. Yep. We come back. All right, Talib. This is going to tick off. He has already heard it, which kind of bums me out because if he hadn't heard it, he'd really go off. But he'll still go off when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. This is stuff that drives me crazy. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell hasn't said much about the highly controversial non-call from the NFC Championship game between the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Rams. You familiar about this non-call? Not at all. Okay. What he said is, quote, our officials are human. They're not going to get it right all the time. 
But that's not been good enough for many Saints fans, and now they may get a better answer. On Monday, today, a New Orleans judge ruled that Goodell, as well as three officials from the conference championship game, when an obvious defensive pass interference call wasn't made on Los Angeles' Nikel Roby Coleman, must answer questions under oath. Orleans Parish Civil District Court Judge Nicole Shepard made the decision to schedule the depositions and said the four men should be deposed in New Orleans. Shepard's decision came after a Louisiana Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals unanimously upheld Shepard's decision to allow a lawsuit from attorney and Saints fan Tony Lamont to proceed. Lamont and his co-plaintiffs were among several people who filed suit against the NFL in the wake of the game. There's no way of knowing if a uh, P1 call would have led to a, a, a pass interference call would have led to a win for the Saints who lost the game in overtime. One of those challenges was thrown out in federal court, but Lamont wrote his lawsuit to try to keep it in state court. See, this, that's crazy. That's just, that's just crazy. Although, I have to tell you, it doesn't surprise me now that wagering is legal on sports, that people who lose money betting on a game and there's a really bad call, uh, and in this case it was a really bad non-call, that we might see, not see more of this kind of stuff in in courts. What did they not call? What what pass action? interference? So someone interfered with a pass. Oh yeah, and the and it was time. obvious. Oh and yeah, the referee, yeah, oh yeah. There was no doubt about it. Did the referee see it? Does it? Oh see yeah, it? and I mean, oh yeah. He just made a bad call. He made a terrible call. But he made no call. In fact, he just yeah, looked at well, it, and, which is a really terrible call. Indeed. But has do we have any understanding why he didn't no. make the call? No. No. I see. I don't think they they came forward and right. said anything. Now they want to depose them. See, I think they want to ask him why he made yeah, the bad call. Yeah, I think. But yeah, I think that's a misuse right. of, of the, the judicial system. system. Yeah. I think you know. Look, the courts are the courts are full as it is. Do we need to put even more ridiculous stuff into? Right, right. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. crazy. One of those challenges thrown out federal law depositions would mean Lamon would keep them moving their case forward towards a trial. The NFL can appeal to the Louisiana Supreme Court, have the lawsuit dismissed, meaning Goodell would not be deposed. I wonder what the cause of action is. Remember, if you have a lawsuit, you have to state that some Here's, law is here broken. It is. What Let is me it? give it to you what he's... Lamont is seeking 75, 75%, 75%, $75,000 in damages for emotional distress. Which will be donated to charity. Yeah, that that doesn't strike me as satisfying the elements of an emotional distress claim. Yeah, that's. I'll tell you this though, Dave. Talking about law, if you might recall, Kim Hammer and Bob Ballinger supported a modification in the liability of anybody who essentially defames. There's another term that essentially means the same thing. That's called false light. That's a type of defamation in in reality. And Kim Hammer had drafted a bill that Bob Ballinger was, I think he signed on to, or was going to sign, I think he signed on to it. And it would have made it somewhat easier to sue someone who defamed you. Now, Senator Hammer made clear 
that what motivated him was that story with the Catholic boys in D.C. Yes. And as you recall, all... We got screwed. Yeah. Yeah, all these news stations came out. Oh, no, no, evil white boys. They went after after the Washington Post, didn't they? Yeah. They went after Washington Post and various other sources. And so when that bill was introduced here by Senator Hammer, the Dem Gaz, which, as you know, I greatly respect. And I mean that I respect individuals. I respect the work they do. I think they are an outstanding regional paper. And while I still read the New York Times for national and international news, I, without a doubt, can feel a palpable bias in the New York Times that I don't see in the Dem Gaz. But in any event, the Dem Gaz were the folks that actually showed up to oppose the bill. And even as we discussed and the chairman, Senator Clark, highlighted, they're the ones that came to the table to oppose the bill, and that's fine. I work with them all the time. I think they're great. Doesn't mean we don't disagree. We disagreed on this bill, for example. And they came in, and one of their arguments was that don't worry about the Catholic boys situation, Catholic boys situation, because under existing law, they should have no problem recovering. Well, as of yesterday, two, two, three days ago, the court in which the Catholic boys sued, I think it was the Washington Post, the court dismissed the case. Yeah. Dismissed the case. Now, maybe on appeal, it gets reinstated. It's possible. But as of today, that claim that we don't need a change in the law because the Catholic boys have an ample method for recovery under existing law, untrue. Untrue. The court dismissed the claim, saying there's no way you can sue. That's interesting, isn't it? And so, but this is the point that I've made before to you, Dave, and your audience. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon, meaning we are going to reform the law in Arkansas step by step and move it in a conservative direction over time in an orderly fashion. We passed the Dave Ellswick free speech on campus bill. We will pass the freedom of speech for government employees bill. I call that Dave Ellswick too. I, mean I would that. agree. Yeah, I mean that. It's 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 a direct analog to the original. We will pass stand your ground. Conservative Southern State, seventy five percent Republican legislature. We can't pass stand your ground. Why, Dave? Why? Because John Cooper voted no. So if you're up in Craighead County, know this: your elected senator was the one person who held up. Stand your ground. Let's remember what stand your ground is, Dave. Stand your ground says you're where you're allowed to be. You're in a store. You're on the street. You're in front of your house. And somebody else comes up to you and threatens your life. And you don't have to go anywhere. Because without that, can you believe it? The law without that, the law as it is today says, if a bad guy comes up to you, threatens your life, your first obligation is to run and hide. If you can. Of course. That's why it's your first obligation. Yeah. If, it's un, if you're unable to, then you can defend yourself. And, why he, and, here, and here's the key. Yeah. All right. The only way they determine that is about 
the police, the police chief, or whoever it is. They make the call, not no, the you. Same one, the same one, by the way, who just fired the guy for saving his life and potentially the lives of other people. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, it's, it's no. going to be somebody who wasn't even there. Of course. Some bureau hack is going to decide whether or not you had the opportunity to flee. Opportunity? Why do I have to flee from the place that I'm allowed to be because some hoodlum is threatening my life? Can you answer that question? No. And you don't want to because you want to stand your ground. Yeah. But John Cooper doesn't want you to stand your ground. Yep. He voted against that, and he's also the Republican after he ran when he first got elected, on not being for Medicaid expansion was the deciding vote for Medicaid Let's expansion. Let's be clear what that means. John Cooper supports Obamacare. Yes. That's what it means. Yeah. He said he was against it right. before he was for it. What's that? John Kerry? John yeah. Cooper? John he, Kerry? Yeah. I mix them up they sometimes. They got, the got yeah. the same first name. All right. With that in mind, since it's 17 after, i got to get a break here in a moment. But before I do that, Democrat Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib from Michigan made this statement. We'll, we'll, we're going to play this and just go right into the break. Then when we come back, we're going to talk about it here mm-hmm. on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is cut number two. So you talk about the hate agenda, and you know you have heard there have been criticisms of you from even your fellow Democrats, especially for your support for the BDS movement, which stands for Boycott, Divest, Sanction. Uh, it's an anti-Israel movement. Um, well, uh, it's, it's, it's anti. It's, it's, it's criticizing the racist policies of Israel, and it's a boycott, right? I mean, I think folks don't know when you say BDS, especially in... Uh country when you say bds they don't they're not sure what it means boycott divest sanction i, I want to get yeah. your reaction to something that senator schumer said about bds which is a movement you support yes he said quote when there is such a double standard when the world treats everybody one way and the jew or the jewish state another way there's only one word for it anti-semitism let us call out the bds movement for what it is and i think one of the questions that senator schumer and other supporters of israel might have is why focus on just Israel, why not also call for sanctions against other countries where you might have issues such as Egypt or Pakistan or Saudi Arabia? Oh, absolutely. And I think if there was an economic boycott movement around Saudi Arabia, I'd be the first to sign up for it. Um, I, I can tell you they're all around college campuses. Um, there are Jews, Muslims, Hindus, all different kinds of backgrounds who are pushing back against racist policies in Israel because they see that um, the human rights violations of children being detained, uh, the fact that my grandmother who lives in the West Bank right now does not have equality. She doesn't have freedom of travel. Um, she is someone that right now under occupation uh, is feeling less than. And I grew up in the most blackest, beautiful city in the country where every corner in Detroit here, you will see uh, a reminiscence of the civil rights movement, of the labor rights movement. And we did it through economic boycott. It is a form of freedom of speech. But people want to dismiss it because they're trying to say it's anti-Semitism. That's the way to try to discredit the fact that we all know under Netanyahu's regime, Human rights violations have gotten worse, and we need to be well, able not, to. Why use... not boycott Egypt? They have. Oh, they I would rights. boycott Egypt, of course. But you keep I'm very you critical. Would, you would boycott. Oh, Saudi let me Arabia. tell you. you. Would boycott Egypt, but, but there, right now, there is not a bill or resolution on the floor that is saying stop boycotting Egypt. But you could. But I, of course, and I would absolutely oppose any sort of oppression of freedom of speech of First Amendment right in this country. It's a slippery slope, Jake, because. Tomorrow, if, if folks want to, uh, pro- uh, you know, boycott Saudi Arabia and there's a movement and it's got a name, uh, they're going to go ahead and pass. 
exclusion saying you don't have freedom of speech, you don't have a right to First Amendment, you can't be double standard. But of course, I would oppose any kind of oppression of that sort of freedom of, of, of dismissing somebody's right First Amendment right. And we have cases around the country from teachers who don't even know what's going on in Israel, who do not feel like they should wipe away their First Amendment right to be able to speak out through economic boycott. I know you want to talk about Michigan, so just let's last question on this. Do you think the Jewish people have the right to a state in the area where Israel exists now? Look, I truly believe the state of Israel is ex- it exists, correct? But understand, does it exist in the detriment of inequality for the Palestinian people? Detriment of not really moving forward in a peaceful resolution. We're never going to have peace, I truly believe, if separate but equal is the way they want to go. And I can tell you, I learned that from my African-American teachers in Detroit Public Schools who showed me what the pain of oppression looks like. We're not going to have peace if we don't understand that we are dehumanizing Palestinians every single day when we choose Israel over their rights. But yes or no, does Israel have a right to exist? Of course. Okay. But just like Palestinians have a right to exist, Palestinians also have a right to human rights. We can't say one or the other. We have to say it in the same breath or we're not going to actually have a peaceful resolution. All right. So I know what the answer is for Tlaib. All right. But I'm going to allow Robert to get into this because he... Just answered this exact same type of uh, of screed that was done. I think it's, it was uh, Omar, wasn't it? And then, Probably. And you I, gave, I, I rolled you my gave, eyes because it's all the same dribble. Yeah, you gave the, the you gave I'll the historical you, perspective yeah. about Palestine. Go, yeah. it's yours. First, let me let me say this about Talib. Talib is complaining that the Congress passed a resolution saying that they're against. The BDS movement. This is an anti-Israel movement. She said, well, that's that's attacking my First Amendment rights. No, it doesn't. It doesn't prevent you from saying your piece. It's a bunch of congressmen saying we oppose the BDS anti-Israel movement. You support the BDS anti-Israel movement and you agree that it's an anti-Israel movement. And you're on television now, flapping your gums about it. So who's stopping you? Who's stopping you? Nobody. So there ain't nothing anti-First Amendment about it if you're perfectly free to say it the day after they pass the resolution as you were the day before the resolution. Secondly, as is unsurprising for these lefties, she is a hypocrite. Because Jake Tapper says, why is this the only boycott movement that you seem to be involved with? What about boycotting Egypt? What about boycotting Saudi Arabia? Well, oh, well, I'd sign on. Well, I thought it was interesting because you, you, if you listen closely, you hear Tapper say, but you could write the right? legislation. Right, I'd sign, sign on. So all of a sudden, you're a follower. All you do is make noise. All you do is, is, is say things that you believe need to be done. Get her done. Go make a boycott Saudi Arabia movement or bill or resolution if you really want to be equal in terms of your attacks on various countries. But you don't. Because these lefties hold out a particular antipathy towards Israel. The only democratic nation in the Middle East. But the lefties aren't democratic, Dave. Don't kid yourself. They may have been elected democratically in our system, 
But they're not Democrats. They're lefties. They're totalitarians. Don't kid yourself to think that they support democratic ideals like Israel does. Now, let's talk about the history of Israel briefly. We've got a minute and a half, I think. Uh, right? yeah, we got about a minute. Okay. 1947, the UN divides up the land controlled by England, previously controlled by the Ottomans. Called Palestine. Called Palestine. Controlled by the Arabs thousand, a thousand years prior. Yeah, roughly. So, don't say, oh, it was all, no, no. The Arabs who invaded as well, by the way, weren't in control of that land for a long time. Maybe a little less than a thousand, by the way. They give one piece of land to the Arabs, one piece of land to the Jews. The Arabs attack. The Jews say, good deal, I'll take it. Arabs say, no dice. And they attack Israel. But they lose, oddly enough. They keep largely all the land they had. But instead of keeping it as a country called Palestine, Egypt swallows up part and Jordan swallows up part. Friends like that. You know what they say, Dave. Friends like that. Let's continue <laughs> yeah, so, after the break. Yeah, let's take a break. Yeah. We got news coming. A little bit more of history for you. See, facts are a terrible thing. Yeah, they just get in the way. They don't get they? in the way of letting people just spurt. blather. All right. Mindless. News. Time for news. Back with you. You may continue, Mr. Yeah. Professor. So the the pro Palestinian anti Israel BDS movement is complaining that there's no state of Palestine. But there's no state of Palestine... Because they didn't want to Because they turned it down. Yeah. They turned it down. That's what happened. Israel didn't take it. They turned it down. After the War of Independence for Israel, the Arabs had roughly the same land that they had given to them by the UN. But of course... Egypt didn't let the Palestinians control that land, nor did Jordan. And then in 67, in another defensive war, Israel took most of that land. Maybe all of it. Most or all, it doesn't really matter. Meaning it's substantial. That's what we now call the West Bank. That's on one side of Israel, which is next to Jordan. So Israel took it from Jordan. And on the other side... One's on the east side, one's on the, left, on the west side. Um, and, uh, and on the other side, a small strip of land Israel took from Egypt called Gaza. That's it. By the way, Israel has moved out of Gaza. The Palestinians are entirely in control. Now, Israel controls... With Hezbollah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With terrorist organization. Yes. Oh, yeah. And they have tunnels coming into Israel. Yeah. And they shoot rockets over to Israel. Yeah, we which, hear which highlights all the, the time. problem, by the way. They're, oh, well, Talib said, well, we should have two states. Sure. Sure. All you have to do is stop being uh, a terroristic. Because in the one area in which Israel turned over control entirely to the Palestinians, there's terrorist behavior happening all the time. Yeah, I would suggest that she travel to Gaza and talk to Hezbollah. And tell Hezbollah to say that Israel has the right to exist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here, he, never, they're never going to do that. Here are some of the things that Talib and, and her, just And they're a proxy for Iran, by the way. Oh, yeah. They're, they're terrorists. There's one word for them. Terrorists. Here's, here's something that Talib and her cronies won't tell you. Here are a few things. One is that... They say, well, we should have two separate countries. But, by the way, 
Israel shouldn't be a Jewish state. Wait, wait, wait. So you want your own country of Palestine, and then you want to tell Israel what it should be? You're going to take the, take it, their statehood away from yeah, them. Yeah, you're going to... No, no. It can be a state, just not a Jewish state. Wait, what? Wait, what? So you're going to tell a foreign nation what they can be and what they can't be? So I guess... Shut up! So Palestine, or the Palestinians should right. have their own state, but they just can't be Palestinians. Well, exactly. By analogy, right. Yeah. Because uh, Saudi Arabia is a Muslim state, meaning of its official declaration is that it's a Muslim state. There, there are many, by the way, official Muslim states. You know how many Jewish states there are? One. One. Yeah. One. They're Christian states. You know how many Jewish states? One. So, first of all, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Palestinians, uh, you don't get to dictate to Israel that it should be a Jewish state or not. And here, by the way, is the controversial notion that it's a Jewish state. That means Jews from anywhere in the world are entitled to come to Israel. But if you're a non-Jew, you've got to immigrate like anybody else. Like immigration. Like if you want to immigrate into the United States, right. you're not born in the United States. That's right. But you get special privileges in one country if you're Jewish in terms of immigration. Right. Yeah. Okay. I don't have any problem you, with it. It's they their do. country. They do. UN helps set it That's up. That's right. That's right. It's their country. And by the way, they get to set up their immigration policies. Well, that's not fair. You don't. That's right. It's not fair or unfair. You know what it is? It's their choice. It's Jewish decision. It's their choice. Yeah. That's like the same thing. Well, you can't cut off immigration in the United States and only allow it to go to people who are the most qualified or whatever other criteria you want to say. Why not? Of course, Why not? By the way, of I can course. I do whatever the heck I want. Why not? Our country. Why not? You know, if I start a business, you know why I hire? People I want to hire. Now, I'm not saying you can't d- discriminate against Americans if they're black or Hispanic. Or what? No. But guess what? I can let in the most educated I can let in the most capable. I can let in those people who are going to conform to the corporate culture of my business. But when we want to apply those same set of rules to immigration, no, you can't do that, says the left. So back to Israel. Then The first thing is, hey, we're going to tell you, you can't be a Jewish state. Shut up, is my response. And then the second thing, you'll love this, Dave. The so-called, I, I can't even, I throw up in my mouth every time I try to say this. Uh, uh, Russ, do you got, you got some Petmo for me? Because I'm about to throw up in my mouth <laughs> when I'm going to use this phrase. The so-called right of return. Right of return. It sounds like right on red or something, right? The right of return. You know what the right of return is? So, so here's what the Palestinians say. We want two countries, one Israel, not a Jewish state, can't do it, and one Palestinian, but then any Palestinian who had a relative at some point who lived on the other side of the border gets to move into Israel. Wait, what? Wait, you? I thought you want your own Palestinian Arab state. Yeah, we do. And then you want to move into your own Palestinian state. Yeah, we do. And you want to move into Israel. Yeah, we do. Are you kidding me? It's not even a transparent attempt to try to take over both countries. It's a stated attempt. There's nothing even being hidden about it. Here's the deal. 
if we divide up the land between the Palestinians and the Jews, the Jews get one part and the Palestinians get the other. Not both parts! Not both parts! Yeah. Except that they want both parts. Of course they do. That, because they don't believe Israel has a right to exist. That's it. That's it. Very simple. That's it. Not there difficult. would be peace today in Israel between the Israelis and the Palestinians if the Palestinians truly embodied the notion that Israel can and should be its own independent state, however it wants to be. Period. Mm-hmm. Which means, by the way, Jewish and in control of their own immigration policies. Absolutely. Otherwise, it's not a state. If you can't control your own immigration policies, you ain't a state. And we've been saying that about America since I've been on your show, Dave. But the Palestinians say, hey, first of all, you can't decide the identity of your state, Israel. We'll decide it for you. Because, by the way, the Palestinians have done such a great job in defining their own state. Not. All right. Got to get a break in. When we come back, I will tell you one area that I highly disagree with what the Republicans are doing in Congress. And the president's not helping either. That's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, here's where I break away from the Republicans, the Democrats, the president, Supreme Court, everybody in Washington, D.C. The U.S. government, Robert, expects to borrow more than $1 trillion in 2019 for the second year in a row, maybe slightly less than last year. The Treasury says it expects net marketable debt to total $433 billion in the third quarter, $381 billion in the fourth quarter, which would bring total debt issuance for the calendar year to $1.23 trillion. That total marks a slight decline from borrowing in 2018. We can't continue this. We're well over $22 trillion in debt. We're in in the hole to more money than is in the world. Dave, we've talked about this many times. And as I've said to you in the past, by the way, and some of your listeners may be surprised, I think Bill Clinton was not a bad president. I won't say he was a great president, largely because he pursued enough leftist ideology items that I can't say that's good. But you know what he did do? Balance the budget. No, he didn't do it. The Republicans Excuse did. me. They Newt both get Gingrich credit. They both it. get credit. They both get credit. Sorry. They both... If you're president when the ba- the budget is balanced, you get credit for it. And if you're president when the balance the budget is not balanced, you get blamed for it. Well, let me put this one. No. He balanced the budget because the Republicans twisted his arm behind okay. his back. Okay. But guess what? <laughs> but guess what? You get the credit for saying uncle. Yeah. That's it. Now, I'm not sitting here right now trying to pump up Bill Clinton. I'm trying to point out to you that I am not partisan about this issue. If you balance a budget, you get credit. Well, of course, Newt Gingrich gets credit. I give him credit as well. I've met him several times, actually. That's not why he balanced the budget, by the way. But who doesn't get credit for balancing the budget? Obama certainly doesn't get credit for balancing the budget. Neither does George W. Bush, by the way. He kept that whole war off book. Well, we don't know. You don't know. Nonsense. 
Nonsense. That was that was accountant trickery is what that was. And they keep two sets of books. So it's That's right. always remember That's exactly that. right. They don't include a lot of the uh, spending for social programs when they're talking about balancing the budget. So I think the Republicans and the Democrats have been guilty of for years, for years of not balancing the budget. And it's going to come back. Let me it's just say, when Reagan came in, we were about $2.5 trillion in debt. We're now over $22 trillion mm-hmm. in debt. Mm-hmm. $22 trillion. Mm-hmm. And when Reagan was here and it was $2 trillion in debt, I can tell you this right now, China didn't own a whole lot of our debt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's See, there's just a lot of stuff. The American people don't want to hear. A lot of people are listening right now and might be changing the radio. They don't want to hear this discussion because well, we run and we walk a razor's edge Big time. All you need to know, let's boil it down, Dave. It doesn't need to be a complicated conversation. All you need to know is we're spending too much money. Yes. That's it. We're taking in a huge amount of money. Well, you know, you can take in more money. No. No, cut spending. Well, you know, a biggest portion of that is entitlements. Uh, And and by the way, they need. That can't even be touched. Well, and, and they need reforming. But guess what? There's a lot of money that's not entitlement. But here's one thing that you can do with entitlement that would change that balance. And that's not talked about. So some people say, well, you raise the age. Raise the age. It's already old. So I'm no fan of raising the age. Then they say, raise the amount of taxes, your percentage, right? But well, we want to give you a chance to catch up, right? Yeah, well, exactly. I'd like to actually get into the system before I drop dead. Yes. And I being understand. on Dave Ellswick every week. I'm going to die an early death. There's no doubt about it. So that one's off the table as far as I'm concerned. Then the other one is right now FICA, which is Social Security yes. and Medicare. Uh, you pay 6.2%, I think, and the employer pays 6.2%. Right. And so they say, well, we could, you could charge them more. But it's only up to like one hundred and ten grand of your salary. Now, that's all my salary. But for those people that make more than one hundred ten grand, guess what? It goes from six point two to zero percent. That's right. So you it's actually a regressive more. tax. Yeah. So they say, well, we can raise that six point two to eight. Now, how about this? How about raising the the cap? The amount. Yeah. Don't stop taxing it. I'm not for increased taxes. No, I'm saying that there are ways to modify it. And the other thing right. that they talk about is if you make or you're worth so much money, you don't get any social security. Yeah, no, I don't, you paid in. Which I don't think is fair. No, it's not fair. You paid in. Yeah. So you could lower the tax rate from 6.2 to 5 to 4 to 3 if you raised the the amount on the dollar amount that's being taxed. That can be taxed. Absolutely. You so can do that. That's another way to deal with the issue. But we've got to stop our spending. It's that simple. Well, you want this and you want... No. No, I don't. I don't want more bureaucracy. I don't want more... Well, the money comes back to the state. You know what? It doesn't have to leave the state. Well, your state gets more money. I don't care. I don't care. There's too much tax. Now, I'm including all the taxes, right? We pay the highest sales tax in in the area. It's ridiculous. In the country. In the country. It's ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. It's pretty bad. From right. border to border, we right. pay more sales yeah. tax than anybody. Because our great little rock leaders, oh, don't you see it? We're, we're walking on streets paved on gold. That's a ridiculous thing about here. 
So in any event, the bottom line is... And they always need more. They always need more. You think Mayor Scott's going to cut taxes? You think he's going to cut sales taxes? Now, I think that he's going to say, because of the position they're in, they need a one-time of course. sunset tax that they need to be able to apply to make that money up. Well, Mayor Scott's got to pay for his entourage of law enforcement that goes around with him that apparently didn't go around with any prior mayors. So we'll see how that works out. This, across this country, government officials find it far easier to spend than they do to cut. No, but that's because spending more for your constituency gets you votes. Cutting money to districts doesn't get you votes. That's right. That's right. I mean, that's pretty easy. I think everybody can see that. That's right. Now, I'm pleased... Uh, with the tax cuts that we've seen at the state level. Uh, but more could have been done, by the way. Well, we talk, we but they, about, they know, cut some places, right? and then they, and they raise cut, it yeah. in other places. Yeah. That's what's called revenue neutral. Yeah, well, I, what I said was I was pleased with the cuts part. Let yeah. me be clear. I'm pleased with the cuts. Not with the raises. Not with the raises. And I wasn't pleased that you couldn't even cut taxes on the sale of used cars. What was mm-hmm. it? Uh, under four grand or some de minimis amount. Because... Buying a car for less than four grand means you ain't loaded. Yeah, we, but, but we can't do that, Robert, yeah, because yeah, right. we take that, that money we get from the yeah, taxes right. we and we use it on other programs that have nothing to do with cars. Exactly. Exactly. And my response is, I don't care. You don't seem to understand. I don't care. Stop taking money out of the pockets of hardworking Arkansans. And if someone's buying a car for less than four grand... He's a hard-working Arkansan. I don't know who said it, but they have said those who don't want to govern raise taxes. Yeah. And that's what happens. Governing means, and responsible governing, means that you look at every program and you decide which programs are the most uh, important and you finance programs until you don't have any money left. You don't raise taxes. We've got a 75% Republican legislature. We should be shrinking government. It's that simple. Now, of course, we know that the lieutenant governor, Tim Griffin, has made a real effort towards that end. And you've seen him even cutting his own staff to demonstrate that. But we have not seen that from the legislature, in, by and large. And that's a real problem. We need to see a real effort to cut the overreach of government in every aspect of our lives. That's why I'll remind you again, as I mentioned earlier, the bill, we will get it passed notwithstanding pushback from both Democrats and Republicans, the freedom of speech for government employees. What does that have to do with taxes? It has to do with freedom, Dave. You are freer when you get to keep your money and say your peace of mind. And if you can't do a little of each... You're not in a free society anymore. You're not free. And too much of our money is being taken away. Today, today, and too much of our speech is being censured by the government. When a government bureau hack, undoubtedly leftist, by the way, could quite literally fire you for writing on your Facebook at midnight in your footsie pajamas that you're, say, against gay marriage, or you believe in separate bathrooms for men and women, and that the biology... Uh, that they have 
at birth matters matters in that in that analysis. Yes. Meaning they're free to go down the street and walk through the mall however they want. I mean that sincerely. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to going into a shower in junior high school or high school with my daughter, sorry. Sorry. That determination is not made solely by the person who is engaging in that behavior. No. We get to have a say in that. And the left wants to tell you to shut up, Dave. That's the irony of people like Tlaib. She's, she will mouth off on everything, and then when the conservatives express their views. Yeah, when we push back. No, no. When we express our views, just be clear. She said, you're infringing on my speech. By what? Disagreeing with you? Yeah, well, of course. Disagreeing with you? You disagree with a leftist. You're supposed to sit down and you're, shut you're up. You're suppressing their speech. Or they'll call you a racist. There it is. Where is it? There it is. They'll call you a racist. There it is. We talked about that again the first hour of my show I know today. you did. I know you did. It is what it is. They don't have a new word. That's the problem. Let me tell you what, Robert. This has been going on since the 70s. I was Try. telling the story. There was, I worked for a newspaper, short-lived newspaper, nonetheless, uh, that uh, was in Chicago. I, I was writing for them, and we were doing stories about Operation Breadbasket. Because if you do any st- study of that, you'll know that it was corrupt. Jesse Jackson was a corrupt uh, person. And we were talking about it, and we were producing the facts and it didn't matter that they were facts. If they were a fact and it was directed at the, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, you're a racist. And that's how they stopped it. They brought, they brought out the racist brush. It has not changed. It continues constantly. Racist, racist, racist. I'm surprised that that word has not lost its power. People use it I think in some respects it has. I think it's. I think as we discussed last week on your show, it's become like the boy who cried wolf, and it becomes hard to see when there's real racism. And then when there is real racism, Which nobody's race? going to show up. That's right. That's, That's right. what happens. Robert, we're out of time. Yep. Thanks for being here. God Tomorrow, bless. power panels on. Bible guys. A lot of people getting their questions in already. Don't be the last to do it. Uh, Bible guys at Salem LR. I'm Dave Ellswick. See you at 2 tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.